He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney, he is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. What a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, October 15, 2022. A scary week as we approach Halloween. Putin gone mad. Trump daring the DOJ to indict him. But let's keep it local. I like John Kellner. He was a guest of mine on episode 24. Right after he barely got elected DA in the 18th Judicial District. That job was held by George Brockler before. He got term limited. He wanted his mentee, John Kellner, to take the job. In fairness to John, he got trained under Stan Garnett, who got trained under me at the Denver DA's office. Anyway, I re-listened to episode 24, and I'm going to play parts later in the show. And you will get to know John Kellner, who seems like a decent guy. He's trying to be AG. That's Phil Weiser's job. Phil Weiser, a great guest last week. And while I may have a great opinion of John Kellner, and that's not so for our special guest, Luke Craner. And I sized him up, and I judged his story to have a lot of validity He was a victim of a horrible road rage with his family in the car. They all got hurt. They brought claims, and they are being resolved against the lady who intentionally hit them again and again because she got mad. She felt entitled. She apparently was drinking, and she did all this on County Line Road. Luke Craner and his family were golfing. I think it's Monster Mini Golf right there at Holly and County Line. And as they return to their house, this lady goes nuts on them. Then the police are called anyway. There's a fantastic YouTube about it. And I queried Luke Craner for the better part of an hour. And it's great podcasting. And I hope you enjoy. And you can see what citizen advocacy can do. He doesn't think John Kellner used good judgment in dismissing the case against the Lady Road Rager, and I thought it was fascinating that George Brockler had a recent show talking about road rage and that it's a scourge now that Polis and Weiser are in charge in Colorado. Road rage is yet another crime out of control. I don't like road rage. It endangers all of us. So... It was a good hour. Luke Craner thought so, too. He wants to be a guest on George Brockler's show or Dan Kaplis, who's a big backer of John Kellner. Let's see if that happens. One of the most unusual things that I've seen happen in modern Denver Trump radio was Steve Wells given an opportunity to do an hour on Brockler's show and then on Kaplis. Kaplis said he could come back anytime. He could host the show. Brockler kissed his ass in a way reminiscent of J.D. Vance and Donald Trump in Ohio. And why not this guy, who I never heard of, he's from northern Colorado. I listened to those boring hours, 
where this guy pontificated saying, you know, this world is just the preseason, and the real season comes up, uh, I guess, in the next world. Jews believe in the world to come, I think. This guy believes in a heaven where guys like me don't get to be there. Neither present or Phil Weiser or Jared Polis in this next game of life, but Brockler will probably be there, maybe Dan Kaplis. It's so strange to hear these guys go on. And this guy, Wells, he puts on ads on Nine News Next with Kyle Clark. They claim to hate Kyle Clark, but they feather his nest. He's a great journalist. Listen to my episode 100. Anyway, there's that ad with the Brockler voiceover. Because George Brockler has this, I guess, just the masterful voice of a radio superstar, that terrific baritone. You just can't get enough of him that he's hired by this $11 million man to do voiceovers on ads that say Fire Polis. And then Wells himself, well, he calls Wiser an idiot. Maybe that would be too obvious if Brockler, who was defeated by Wiser four years ago, was the one calling Wiser an idiot. But who really is the idiot? Who really has done some monkey business here that does not reflect well on themselves? I submit that it is this rich northern Colorado rancher who's been caught with his hand in the cookie jar, and I have the goods right here. And it's his cell phone on the part of George Brockler who referenced the Steve Wells ad when he had John Kellner on this last Tuesday when I happened to play golf at City Park and I caught the 9 o'clock hour, was stunned to hear first Brockler tried to lead Kellner into talking about this independent expenditure ad. John Kellner is smart enough to stay away. You can listen to the whole hour if you want. I have part of it because I want you to understand just how deceptive and deceitful and despicable it is to distort somebody's voice. It's like changing the way they look. It's not right. It's like changing the way their nose looks, exaggerating something perceived as, I don't know, a source of discrimination or bigotry, sort of like when you distort a voice to make it sound more effeminate by speeding it up. Did that happen here? Give a listen to George Brockler talk about the Steve Wells ad, and then he gives a free play of that ad, and it is accurate. It sounds just like the one that we are all watching on TV, so what if he gives another free play? But listen to what they do to Phil Weiser's voice. First, they put circus music behind it, which is not nice. But then to distort his voice by speeding it up. And how do we know it's sped up? Well, Brockler proves the case against himself. Because after this first soundbite, well, first listen to the soundbite and then hear what the great George Brockler does. One of the things that's come up with this uh, motor vehicle theft thing is that there's a guy named Steve Wells. I've known Steve for years. I know you know who Steve is. He has taken a bunch of his money and said, I need to make a change in Colorado. And 
by that, he means he wants to change out the AG's office and the governor's office. And so he's run a bunch of ads. And one of the ads that he's run is about your opponent. Billy, do you have that ad to fire up? Let's do it. So after someone commits a third or fourth car theft in, say, three months, they should be kept in with a really high bond because you got a sense they're going to get out, they're going to commit more crimes. This is the idiot that's in charge of crime? In the next four years, you can count on me being the same type of attorney general I've been. This is exactly why Phil Weiser and Jared Polis need to go. Let's vote Republican. Now that, that's, uh, that's the ad from Steve Wells. So then George Brockler comes back and he starts ripping on the Weiser campaign because two respected former DAs, Bill Ritter and Steve Erkenbrack, wrote a letter condemning the ad put on by Steve Wells. And Steve Erkenbrack is a prominent Republican from the Western Slope. And Brockler disparaged him. I'm not going to play it this week. But he said, nobody's ever heard of Steve Erkenbrack. I have. The guy's been on more criminal appeals than practically anybody. He worked for Gail Norton, a legendary AG, a Republican who actually got elected, unlike Brockler. Steve Erkenbrack, who served successfully in Mesa County as the elected DA, for a long time thereafter, and then, what did he head up the PUC, accomplished in private law? He was attorney for a big health care firm. He's still going strong. Anyway, he's nobody to Brockler. And he starts saying how Ritter and Erkenbrack must have been misled to back Weiser. They don't understand, really, that Weiser said this ridiculous stuff. And then... He rips Weiser for claiming that that uh, somebody should be jailed after three or four car thefts. You know, that phrase they use against him. And what's wrong with saying that? He's not saying they should be released on bond. What did he say before that? We'd like to know the context. So then Brockler plays it. And it's interesting for the substance of what the attorney general says. But it's most fascinating to understand that this is Weiser's real voice this time, not the sped-up version, and listen to the difference. This is embarrassing for them because they've come out to say things like, well, clearly Phil's a fighter for accountability for car thieves. Utter garbage. Utter, provably false garbage. In fact, in this clip that Billy's about to fire up, listen towards the end of the answer. I know you know this. This is for the listeners, John. He then talks about this three or four cars in a three-month period and uses as an example of what Larimer and Jeffco counties have done that have made them so successful in decreasing the, uh, the theft rate in their jurisdictions when, in fact, Jeffco led the metro area in year-over-year car theft increase by like 27%. Billy, fire that up if you would. It's worth noting that different judicial districts in Colorado have had different results. Jefferson County, Larimer County, crime rates have actually gone down during the pandemic. As Attorney General, I've got the ability to view across our state and look at different practices. What's happening? How do we make sure we operate most effectively? And part of the problem is some judicial districts haven't done a great job managing pre-trial, and they've let people out who are likely to commit more crime. So Hmm. after someone commits a 
third, or fourth car theft in, say, three months, they should be kept in with a really high bond because you got a sense they're going to get out, they're going to commit more crimes. Now, in Larimer, that's what they do. In Jeffco, that's what they do. That's him. Holy cow, talk about getting caught with your hand in the cookie jar. I'm telling you, George Brockler being involved with this guy who distorts voices, how would George Brockler like it if that happened to him? After we listened to Luke Craner and his indictment of John Kellner for not pursuing the road rager on a case that I think any prosecutor could prove and prove easily, Anyway, after that, we will get back to George Brockler and Kellner's sound. But here is a taste, because George Brockler had an interesting hour. What a talk show host. He's so glib. And he likes to do everything to indict Democrats like Polis and Weiser and Griswold. He's such a partisan. There's no hiding it. All right? And here... He's condemning these guys for road rage in Colorado. And he has a segment saying how liberals are the people who are most responsible for the road rage. And his callers, wow, they are so right wing. They all agree with him. Just give a listen to this soundbite. From September, about three weeks ago, the great George Brockler talking about crime. He is the crime guy. And he likes harshness when it comes to road rage. Here's one. Uh, if you raptured every damn Subaru and their kooky lefty drivers off Colorado roads, traffic and life here would be vastly improved. That's Ellen. I've never heard the, the phrase raptured every... It's a, it's a good reference there. I feel like it's the spiritual equivalent of beaming them off of the planet Three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one. Here is Alexa. I think drivers who drive under the speed limit cause more accidents on the highway than drivers that drive over the speed limit. I do too, and I don't ever see anybody get pulled over for driving too slowly on the highways. You see that minimum speed thing? They ought to have something like that built into everywhere. Uh, I think you need to have a traffic law expert on for Q and A. You're talking to the traffic law expert. That's not really true. We should get someone from State Patrol on. We should get their PIO, super funny guy. Although I wonder if he can be funny about the traffic stuff because someone's going to get into an accident and say, hey, the really funny State Patrol guy came on and said I could do this. I'm interested to know what we're seeing more and more out there. 303-696-1971. Lane splitting is illegal in the state of Colorado for all you California motorcyclist transplants. I did not know that. I, maybe we do need a traffic law expert. The lane splitting thing, and you see these clowns on motorcycles riding in between stop cars. I think to myself, what if I drifted over to the left or the right? What if I opened a car because I needed to throw up? And that guy crushes me on that side of the car. Am I at fault? Did I do something wrong? That's the other thing about George. He's always going for humor. I don't know if he goes to that really high-pitched voice for humor or... It's just natural. Let's hear that again. Am I at fault? Did I do something wrong? I'm not one to make fun of voices, nor do I like distorting voices. But for purposes of an example, we can take what we just heard from George Brockler and we can speed it up at about, I don't know, 50%. The rate that my sound producer says, 
correlates to the way they sped up Bill Weiser's words. Let's hear how that sounds. Am I at fault? Did I do something wrong? Now, that would be a funny ad, but not fair. Not fair to George Brockler, just like that ad by Steve Wells is not fair to Phil Weiser. And then he calls him an idiot. Well, Phil Weiser is not an idiot. We could have a great debate on substance, and we can talk about things other than distorted voices. In fact, let's do that right now. After a short break from my friend Michael Bailey, I want you to hear Luke Craner. Because this guy, he has the ring of truth. And it's horrible, the injustice he's suffered. And you might think, well, this is not the greatest injustice in the world. And I would stipulate to that. Thank God nobody was paralyzed or killed. The injuries were relatively minor. Although when your kids get hurt, You know, that's a big deal. And I don't blame Lou Craner, and neither does our troubadour, Dave Gunders. We have a great discussion about the latest developments in the January 6th hearing, and we talked about Lou Craner and what a father will do when their child, their daughter, gets damaged. That happened to Lou Craner, and it happened to Dave Gunders, who reacted when Rachel got screwed out of a summer job by a guy who did her wrong. And it may not have been a big deal to him, but it was a big deal to our troubadour. Righteous indignation's a decent thing. This show is full of further sound, sound impacting the cheese race. George Brockler analyzed, road rage analyzed. We're going to play the YouTube that's gotten nearly 200,000 hits. Luke Craner's story. This is an action-packed episode of The Craig Silverman Show, episode 118. After this break, Luke Craner. Enjoy. It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. <laughs> now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at MBLaw. LLC.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Hey, being a lawyer is a matter of judgment. You have to know the law, the facts, but good judgment is essential. If you don't understand how Donald Trump is culpable for the crimes committed in his name, then I question your judgment. I have the good judgment to question Donald Trump. If you want a lawyer like that, Instead of a knucklehead who believes in the MAGA propaganda, call Craig, 303-734-7156, 303-734-7156. I am Craig, 
Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Wow, I never met our next guest until I attended an AG's forum in Aurora, I believe at the end of August. And there was a good-looking tall guy with his sign, and he was getting politically active. I went up and introduced myself. We made each other's acquaintance, and we had a chance to research what uh, each of us was saying. And I like Luke Craner. I believe him after talking to him and examining his evidence. Luke Craner, thanks a lot for being on the podcast. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Tell everybody about yourself. Where did you grow up? And uh, if you're not native to Colorado, what brought you here? Well, so I'm originally um, from southwest Missouri. Uh, I was born and raised in a little town there, um, Joplin, Missouri. Um, and then um, got married in Joplin and had uh, two kiddos. And we decided that we kind of wanted something a little different. Um, working in the healthcare industry, I was able to pretty much find a job anywhere. Um, we had come to Colorado for maybe three or four years prior to us moving here. We'd come every summer or spring and just kind of come on vacation and check out the scenery and see what there was to do. And then we ended up um, just, I applied for a job here and I ended up getting a job and uh, the rest is history. We moved here in a 2018. So, yeah. Well, good for you. What part of the metro area did you settle on? We're south of Denver. Just south of Denver. Good move on your part, because I'm a southeast Denver guy, and if you get too close to the foothills, it gets a little chilly, and the sun yeah. goes down a little faster, and it might be a little windier. So you figured it out. Way to go. Yeah. Tell me, how old are your daughters? Um, I have a 14-year-old and a 10-year-old. Nice. And your wife, she likes Colorado, too. Is she originally from Missouri? Yeah, she's actually, um, we were raised in the same town. Um, and, you know, she loves Colorado, too. Yeah, it was, it was a great move for us. Well, good. I'm glad you are here. Um, it's Colorado politics. Is it to your liking? What are your politics, if I can be so bold? Yeah. So originally, I um, I mean, I was raised in southwest Missouri, and it's kind of a very um, strongly conservative area. Um, so that was those were the kind of the politics that I was um, raised around. And, you know, a lot of my family, of, of course, were conservative and friends and all that stuff. And so that was kind of the mindset uh, I grew up in. I would still consider myself um, fairly conservative. Uh, I don't necessarily vote strictly conservative because I think that's silly to vote just one way, just because that's the way you were raised. I, um, I, you know, I, I look at the issues. I read about the issues. I try to understand the issues and, you know, the candidates as, as best as I can. And then I make an educated decision from there. I, so I don't, I'm not strictly, you know, that side of the line. Um, do you but vote? I, I, would, I do vote. Yes. And if I was a gambling man, and I am, if I was smart, would I generally wager that you are going to vote for a Republican over a Democrat? For the most part, yes. Yes. But obviously, you know, the reason for this this interview, um, there's a certain candidate that that will not be happening with this year. So, 
a certain Republican, John Kellner. You're not that happy. We're getting ahead of this story, but that's okay. I'll talk about it in the intro. But the point is that you generally favor Republican candidates, and what is it you generally like about Republicans? Uh, when it comes to criminal justice issues, do you like somebody who's more for law and order or somebody who's more for leniency? I'm I'm more oh I am way more for uh, law and order I would say when it comes to that. So that's a big factor in who you choose to vote for. Yes, yeah, I'm I'm a very principle driven person, and I I see stuff kind of I'm, I mean I'm not you know dead set on black and white you know with issues and stuff, but I I would say I lean more towards you know right and wrong and black and white and you know kind of that direction. Is public safety a big deal to you as a married father of two kiddos? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. How high up of a priority is it for you? I would say, you know, one being not a priority at all and 10 being the highest priority, I would say about a seven. Nice. You are in the healthcare field. It's kind of like a pain thing. Seven. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what brought you to that AG's debate. Really, you had a situation that I found out about. It happened on February 26th of this year. You were driving in uh, the Southeast metro area. Tell everybody how uh, public safety became a concern of yours that evening. Okay. Uh, you want to go ahead and kind of tell you the story? Of yes, please. Okay. So my wife and... Um Two daughters and I were leaving a like a, an indoor mini golf course that was over on Holly and Quebec area. Um, I'm sorry, Holly and County Line area. And we we left there and stopped by McDonald's, got something to drink, and then we were going east on I know. County Can Line. Can I just say I know yeah. that I know that McDonald's. I know most of them. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and, right and who wanted the mini golf? Oh, it was, I think it was my youngest daughter. So you were obviously mad you were about to, you were driving in a rage thereafter, or was it a good time ahead by all? <laughs> no, actually, they, they beat me. I'm, I, I'm about six foot five, and, and none of those golf clubs really fit me for my height, so I'm not very good at many golf That's things. an excuse. Keep yeah, going. that's exactly. I, I used to be a six five, and I've used that same excuse when I miss putts, which happens all the time. Keep going. There you go. There you go. Well, so we left there, and we were going eastbound on County Line Road. Um, there was a car in the left hand lane, a car in the right hand lane. The car in the right hand lane was going a little quicker than the car in the left hand lane, so I pulled to the right hand lane. I passed the car in the left hand lane. I uh, there was probably two car lengths or so in front of us uh, in front of that car in the left-hand lane. So I got over, pulled up to the stoplight and stopped. Well, my new truck has this truck. I had just gotten back in December of uh, 2021. And so it has one of those, like um, an LCD monitor as your rear view mirror. So you don't, you know, you don't have to adjust your mirror. There's a camera in the back that displays it on that screen. And and I look in my rearview mirror, and this lady's behind me, giving me like flipping me off. It's like she's giving me the, the devil birds. That double, and the double, exactly. Yeah, she was giving me the double birds. So I mean, she's pissed about something. I have no idea what her issue is. Um, I mean, I didn't recall anything that happened between 
Holly and Quebec. So I, <clears throat> I, I just sit there at the stoplight and stop. Like I said, the stoplight had turned red. The lady behind me keeps getting, um, you know, she's, she's mad. She's like clenching her fist and flipping me off. So I, roll down my window and I I'm like, I don't know what the hell her problem is. I stick my middle finger out the window. Like, Hey, here you go. Here's one for you. And I fully understand, you know, not illegal by any means, but I, you know, I probably shouldn't have fed the situation by doing that. Um, but I did. And, and it is what it is. Then she pushes on the gas and then she slams into the back of my truck. Uh Oh, and, and on I'm purpose. Like, oh. Oh, I, I 100% believe it was absolutely on purpose. I was at a stop, at a sitting still stop. She was at a sitting still stop behind me. Then she gunned it, and she hit me. With so, your family in the car and your girls? Yes, my two girls in the back seat, my wife in the front passenger seat. So I get out of my truck. Hard enough and, to, uh, you know, impact everybody's body? Oh yeah, I mean, I don't know the exact speed she was going, but it was not it was not just a little like a little tap. Everybody in the car felt it and everybody said she just hit us. You know what I mean? It it wasn't it wasn't a I mean, she wasn't going 70 miles an hour by any means. This was your brand was, new truck? What kind of brand, a truck? It's a it's a, a Ram 1500 limited edition. Um kind of a backstory on that is I I had driven the same vehicle um, since I was a junior in high school, I got a 2003 Camry um, back in 2005. And when I got it, it had like 30,000 miles on it. You know, I've worked my butt off all these years to get where we are. And and this was kind of my thing to myself. Um, this is the first brand new vehicle I've ever bought for myself. And I was just ecstatic about it. And, you know, yeah. It, it, Can I confess that I'm a lot older than you and I have never bought a new vehicle just for fear yeah. that something like this might happen. Right. Well, and this, and that was my, you know, that's, that was always one of my goals is I'm going to, I'm going to get a brand new pickup truck. And I mean, it took me working in healthcare for as long as I have, you know, for the past 16 years to get to that point. But I was there, I have my new truck, I'm out driving it, you know, enjoying it. And then this happens. Did she damage your truck with that first strike? Um, so, so that's the thing I I'm, I'm assuming that's when the damage happened, but whenever I got out of my vehicle, um, I pulled my phone out. I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, scream at her. I didn't yell at her. I didn't go to her car. I didn't bang on her window. I did nothing to show any threatening behavior whatsoever. All I said was I kind of shrugged my shoulders, put my hands up and said, you hit my truck. She's giving me this go to hell look like I had, you know, just kicked her puppy. You know, she was, she was angry looking and, and she was, she was, appeared to be furious. Um, so I get my phone out, I flip it on record, I open my camera, I put it on record, not just camera. I start at the back of her vehicle to get her license plate. And then I bring it up along the side of her vehicle to catch the go to hell look on her face. Um, and then as I'm getting to the front of her, or um, as I'm at the back of her vehicle, you can see that she's letting off her brake. She's still in drive. My family, my wife and my two daughters are still in the truck. She is continuing to push into my truck. You can hear her accelerate. You can hear her crunch against the bumper on my truck. And you can see her brake lights shut off. How many so, different times did she ram into the back of your truck? So I was... I was, so the first time, the first initial impact, and then after I got out of the vehicle, 
I don't know exactly how many times it happened, but when I get back in, there was one more when I got in as I was getting in my truck, um, causing me to kind of lose my balance a little bit. Um, and then when I got in, I said, she just hit me again to my wife and my wife's like, Oh, she did it two or three times whenever you're out of the vehicle, whenever you're out of the truck. What, said, kind, okay. what kind of a vehicle was she driving? Uh, it was like a Jeep. Um, I want to say compass, uh, like a smaller Jeep. I mean, it wasn't big enough at first. I thought she was trying to push me into the intersection cause she was angry at me for some odd reason. And obviously there's no way that her little Jeep compass could have moved my big, my big truck. But, but she was obviously again, angry about something and she kept hitting my truck. Uh, so at this point I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to, I told my wife, I said, call 911. So she calls 911 and we were sitting there for, I don't know, maybe 10 seconds. Well, then I can feel her back off of my truck because she was up against my truck. She backed off of my truck, took a right, and then took a right on Quebec. That would be that would be um, south on Quebec. Yeah, south on Quebec. And I'm like, okay, well, she's going to pull into a parking lot because, you know, we're on the inside lane going straight. Right. So we're blocking traffic. So I follow her. And then as she gets to Quebec and whatever that next intersection is there, um, she takes a left and she quickly does a U-turn right there to get onto 470. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. You're not going to hit me and run away. I mean, after causing damage to my truck and, you know, all the other issues you've caused, we're not doing this. And I've heard horror stories about the police getting um, – um, well, as a matter of fact, I've had this kind of this issue before where I've called the police and said, hey, this vehicle with this license plate was doing this. And they say, well, we didn't witness it, so we can't we can't right. take your word for it. So, you know, I, did, I didn't want to take a chance of my brand-new truck getting hit. And then me being responsible. I'm like, no, that's not, that doesn't work for me. I'm so I followed her onto 470. I flick my hazard lights on. And then we go from 470 to 25. And uh, this whole time, my wife's on the phone to police. The police kept, they told my wife, they said, they said, okay, well, we recommend that you don't follow her. And it was on speakerphone. And I said, there's no way in hell that's going to happen. I will follow her. You will pull, oh, I will pull over whenever you pull her over because she's not going to get away with, with committing a crime like this. So we go to I-25. And of course, now that we're on I-25, it gets forwarded to Colorado State Highway Patrol. They tell me that they will have um, a, a trooper call me the trooper calls me like within a few seconds of me hanging up with them. And he says, I need you to quit following them. I said, well, that's not going to happen again. This is my rationale. I'm not going to just let her get away with this. So we exit onto Lincoln off of I 25. We go East on Lincoln. Then he hangs up. He tells me, he says, okay, well, if you're not going to obey my orders, which again, it's not a lawful order for him to tell me to stop following someone who's just committed a crime against me. It's, it's a request. It's not a lawful order. So I said, well, respect, I'm not going to do that. I will not, I will not stop following her. So he said, okay, there's nothing else I can do for you. And then he hung up on me. He, he was done with the situation, even though it was an evolving, ever evolving situation, he hung up on me. So I called 911 back, get a hold of Douglas County. And I said, Hey, here's the deal. This is what happened. I'm going to follow her. I have my hazard lights on. I'm a safe distance away. I'm not going to stop following her. So don't even ask me to stop following her. You can, if you have a problem with it, you can pull me over whenever you pull her over. And you keep giving out her license plate number. 
yep, I, I gave out her license plate number uh, multiple times. And then, and then I told the dispatcher, I said, okay, hey, we're crossing this intersection. We're crossing this intersection. We just crossed, you know, I'm giving him a step-by-step-by-step where we are. So, um, she, and, and so if she would have started going a hundred miles per hour, would you have gone a hundred or would you have said, oh, well, that's no, over. I would, said, I would have said, forget it. I would not have put me, my family in any more danger. Um, you know, I, I was at a safe distance. I would not have gone in excessive speed. No. And and that's, and so that's kind of the thing. She stopped at every stoplight. Whenever she stopped at a stoplight, I gave us maybe four or five car lengths behind her because I didn't know what she was capable of. I mean, she's obviously having issues because she just did what she did for no reason. Um, and so she stopped at every stoplight. She stopped um, at every stop sign. She obeyed the speed limit. She did break, try to brake check a few times and try to get me to hit her. That's why I ended up leaving so much distance between us. Um, so did, then she takes did a, you figure out where she was going? Did it make any sense? No, no. I, it was it made absolutely zero sense to me whatsoever. Uh, I'm, I was assuming she was. My first thought was she's drunker, drunk as hell. She's trying to get home before she gets pulled over. That 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 is what I was I was afraid of. You know what I mean? Like that's that that was my my thought, my first thought. Um. She starts taking random turns, you know, like uh, on side streets, not side streets, but uh, we get to Parker. She takes a turn onto like a, a larger side street in Parker and then another turn and kind of almost does this weird zigzag through town. I don't know. I don't I'm, I'm not super familiar with Parker, um, so I, I have no idea where she's going. She's kind of driving through neighborhoods at this point, but I'm keeping my distance, has have my hazard lights on and I'm on the phone with uh, dispatch and giving them turn by turn movements um how many so different we, police agencies ended up getting involved well i believe uh arapahoe county was one because they they whenever douglas county pulled her over in parker which she was only pulled over i believe it was i don't quote me on this exactly but i believe it was only like five blocks six blocks from her house so i i firmly believe at this point that she was going home but you, know, county, you know we're not mentioning her name but you know that she yeah. lives in parker yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I did records requests and all that stuff, and and um, I was, I was told this by the Parker or by the Douglas County Sheriff's Office that um, that they also believed the same thing. So, um, so how long did it last from when she struck oh. you several times, you and your family of four, in your truck, and then you followed her for how long before she got pulled over? I would say. I mean, I didn't time it, and I guess I didn't see exactly. I, I look at my paperwork that I have from you know the police department, but I want to say it was twenty to thirty-ish minutes from the time she hit me to the time she got pulled over. Tell us about the pullover. How did that happen? Who did it? So Douglas County pulled her over um, over on Main Street and Parker. Uh, I guess it would have been the south side of Parker Main Street. Um, she. Douglas County pulled her over. They said, okay, where'd this happen? I told them where it happened. She stammered her words and said that, you know, we were going westbound, eastbound. She couldn't get her, she couldn't get her shit together to save her life. She, um, so they ended up calling Arapahoe County, um, because one side of, of county line is Arapahoe County, the, the north side, and the south side is Douglas County. 
So what um, an appropriately named street. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, anyway, so since we were in the eastbound lane, it was Douglas County, but she convinced them that we were going westbound. So then they had to call Arapahoe County. Uh, 30, I, I want to say 30, 45 minutes passed um, until Arapahoe County got there. Um, Arapahoe County got there. And then she changed her story and said that we were going eastbound after I told the officer that, yes, we were going eastbound. So they had to call Douglas County back. Whenever Douglas County came back, Parker Police Department was already there. So Parker was involved. Douglas County was involved. Arapahoe County was involved. Um, now, in her defense for that misstatement, she was uh, trying to get away from the situation. And two, she had been drinking. Am I right? Uh, that is correct. Yes. So originally, I asked the officer if she if he thought she was drunk. She he said no. He said he said he said he didn't think so. But after the whole situation, I ended up um, getting the body camera footage from the sheriff's office and the Parker Police Department. The Parker Police Department's she told the op it was it was just a weird situation. She tells the officers, you know, it's just like this weird flirting type thing going on it was bizarro but she um she told the douglas county officer that she had nothing to drink and whenever parker came to speak with her she said she had one skinny so i'm assuming that she or she came from los dos patrios over off of uh, holly and uh, county line um but she she holds her hands up and i want to say there's about 10 to 12 inches between each finger that she's holding up so they she had one large drink yes and she ended up telling the officer, she was out with friends right. on a weekend night, and eventually she said to the Parker person, yeah, I, I was drinking after denying it at first. Do you know a lot about it? Because you did order those body cams. Let's just stick with your recollection that night. Um, did you have further encounters with her personally? Uh, no, no, I have I have not uh, spoken with her since um, the incident. I have not, you know, reached out to her. She hasn't reached out to me. Uh, so, no, I have not had any further interactions with her. When she got stopped, how far back were you? And did you see the encounter of her with the police or were you too far back? No, I was too far back. Uh, so whenever Douglas County, I was on the phone and they said, hey, there's an officer right behind you. I moved to the right. He swung around me, flipped his lights on. She pulled over. She was the front car, then Douglas County, and then me. So I was probably, I don't know, 40 feet away. Now this one gets good because I was a prosecutor for 16 years and I charged a lot of people with a lot of offenses. Now these decisions are more made on the streets but the cops realized this was a failure to remain at the scene of an accident, also known as a hit and run, and some really bad driving, what, careless? Uh, what happened that night? Uh, and, and then you have to think about assault and criminal mischief, because she did right. it deliberately. So tell us uh, how the charging process went down that night. Okay, so the officer, he came and spoke with me. He went and spoke with her. And he came back to me and said, hey, the stories aren't matching up. I said, man, I have a video of, of her continuing to run into my truck. I have, you know, I have, you can hear it, you can see it, you can see that she's not remorseful by her face. You can tell she's not scared. She's, she's pissed off. And I said, this was an intentional act. I said, you can ask anybody in my truck. I'm telling you, my story hasn't changed. 
you know, all that. They ended up charging her with um, failure to notify police because she left the scene of the accident, never called the police, leaving the scene of the accident and careless driving. So it ended up being like somewhere. I think I think they calculated it. An officer told me like 26 points worth of tickets. Right. And there's a critical fact there. She never called the police. She never, she never called the police. She, um, which I didn't know that again until I ordered the body camera footage. But that night I just kind of accepted it. I'm just, uh, you know, she got these tickets and I'm like, okay, yeah. And I even asked the officer, I said, Hey, so she never called the cops, huh? And, and he said, no, she never, she never called. You're the only call we got about this tonight. And then it appears some wise law enforcement perceived the seriousness of what you've described. You can't have people deliberately ramming their vehicle into the family truckster. And uh, they increased the charges. Did you find out about that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, they actually, um, so that, so of course you got those three tickets, um, the failure to notify police, leaving the scene of an accident and careless driving on 226. And then uh, I guess the officer that had done the call, he, um, had some injury at work. So he was off for some time. And after discussing it with his Sergeant, um, almost a month and a half later, he, um, him and his Sergeant decided they were going to up the charges to reckless driving, which is obviously a stepped up version of careless driving. It's with, um, uh, you know, wanton disregard to safety of reckless the public. Reckless driving consci- consciously disregard is substantial risk. Right. Okay. As, as then, opposed to uh, careless, where you fail to perceive a substantial risk. But do you know right. if that sergeant or the other officer had some good advice from John Kellner's office to increase the charges to reflect the seriousness of the offense? Um, I don't. I don't think that they. I honestly don't think Kellner's office even really gave it much effort much effort put much effort into it to figure any of this out what about the sergeant what department i'm sorry say that well, the, the sergeant and the officer who increased the charges what department were they with it was uh, douglas county but they also charged her with criminal mischief it was reckless driving and criminal mischief reckless and criminal mischief but just knowingly causing property damage to your vehicle right. how badly damaged was your new truck um I don't remember the exact dollar amount, but I, you know, I had to, it was a huge, it was a huge issue to get it fixed because there's, you know, staffing shortages at all these places and, and parts shortages and all this stuff. So it took, it took a month or two for me to end up getting it all wrapped up and taken care of. At least several hundred dollars in damages. I oh, saw more, it was more than 500 or more than 800. I think is how they charged it. It knocked something off the back of your truck. I saw a picture of it laying on the ground. No, no it, it pushed It pushed in. I, that may have been from her vehicle. Oh, okay. I'm not 100%. Yeah. Right. Maybe it came from her Jeep Compass. But in any event, law enforcement's clicking along, even though it's a month later. The right charges are brought, and uh, you are just waiting to find out what happens next. Am I right? Right. That's correct. What did happen next? Well, on, um, I think it was like the 25th of April. Um, I was actually, it was, yeah, it was on the 25th of April. I was actually out of town. Um, every year we try to, I try to go back to Missouri and we have a men's weekend where we play poker and my in-laws live on the lake. And so we hang out on this, you know, beautiful table rock lake for the, for a week or a weekend, long weekend. 
And I get a text from my wife saying, hey, check out this letter you got from the DA's office. And it says that they were dismissing the charges for the following reasons. And it was blank. There was no reason given on this this form. And, of course, being on um, a Friday afternoon um, or whatever day it was I received it, they weren't open. So I couldn't give them a call back. So I'm just trying to rack my brain on how they can drop charges on this lady who knowingly and or who seemed to knowingly and with disregard for everybody in my vehicle hit my truck over and over. I'm, I'm just curious how they dropped those charges. You know what I mean? I can tell you technically with the stroke of a pen, but you are looking for the reasons. Why did they yeah. sign their name? And every deputy right. DA operates under the authority of the elected DA, who as of 2022 was John Kellner. Even though he's been campaigning for AG, he's still the boss. And, and so what did you do about it? Did it ruin your trip? Uh, it, I'm going to be honest. It really pissed me off. I mean, you know, it, it, it did. It made me pretty, pretty mad. Um, so what I did is I called the victim's advocate who was listed on this form. And, uh, cause between the time I, I had the accident and the time I received this letter, I had actually found out, I'd actually found out that this lady who hit me was a victim's advocate for Parker police department. So she was, uh, and then, you know, then found out she was not a paid employee, but as far as I'm concerned, I don't care if you're a paid employee or if you're a volunteer or if you're whatever you are, if you're part of an organization being Parker police department, you have a duty to live a lawful lifestyle. was Was she credentialed by Parker police? She, she had an official police badge. Yes. How do you know that? Okay, so that I actually so whenever so I called the um, the DA's office and asked to speak with the guy, the person who dropped the charges, and his name last name was Franklin or first name was Franklin. I, I don't know which was which, but oh, Alexander Franklin was his name. Um, he told me he said, "Well, you know, um, we can't prove any of that happened. We um, so we dropped the charges and." I told him, I said, well, you know, I've been dealing with insurance with, you know, and they're, he, he asked me, he says, well, are they going to take care of everything? And I said, well, it seems like they're going to. And he says, well, what more do you want? You know, basically, what more do you want? I said, I want her to be held accountable for her bad actions. I mean, she committed a crime. Now, I on the insurance, did uh, I do this kind of work and they quickly decide who was at fault in the collision? Did your insurance company and hers figure out who caused this collision? Well, so so that's another thing is I had to call insurance and, you know, tell them what happened. I actually called them that night, like at one o'clock in the morning, because I was so pissed off that I just had to get it over with. Um, and they ended up getting her side of the story. And her side of the story was I was sitting at the stoplight and I backed into her, which is obviously absolutely false. Um, she said I backed into her at the light. And I told them, I said, no, that is not at all what happened. And I sent them the video and then they quickly said, oh, okay, well, she's hundred percent at fault. We'll take care of anything that needs to be taken care of. Um, all right. So yeah. you're, you're working with this Alexander Franklin. And when he says, you don't have any evidence, did you mention yourself and the three members of your family and the videotape and, uh, 
Yeah, I did. And they basically said, I mean, that's why the officer gave her the tickets because he saw the video and it was damning evidence. And he, he had no more questions for me. He said, you have a good night. I'll take care of this from here. You know what I mean? And I told Mr. Franklin that too. And he's just like, honestly, I, I, the way he was speaking to me, it was as if I was an annoyance to him. I, I, he couldn't have cared less what I had to say. He was just saying words to get me off the phone is how I felt. And it just didn't sit right with me. So I'm just like, you know what? I think it's bullshit is what I told him. And I don't accept that. And so he said, okay, have a good day. There's nothing else I can do for you. And I was done. And then I was thinking, no, you know what? I'm not just going to be rolled over on like that. I'm, I'm not done. I, I'm like I said, in the beginning, I'm, I'm a very principle driven person. And if I feel like I'm right, um, which, you know, sometimes I am wrong, but if I feel like I'm right, and in this instance, I felt like I was absolutely right. I'm not just going to let go of it. It's just not how I am. I, I just, I, I don't, that's not, that's not what I do. I don't just give up. So I called and I spoke to Megan Gallo, who is a, a deputy DA or, um, I can't remember her exact title. Senior um, deputy DA. Senior deputy DA. Yeah. So I speak with her and I didn't record the phone call with Franklin um, because I didn't think it was going to, I was going to be lied to and I was going to be treated like shit, you know? So, so I get a hold of Megan Gallo, but I have my phone. I have my phone recording um, the conversation. And as a a veteran prosecutor, Megan, I think has been there a while. Hence the senior deputy was this, was it your understanding this was Alexander Franklin's supervisor, or how did you that's, get? Yeah, that's that, that's how I asked. I said I've talked to Mr. Franklin. I want to talk to the person above him. You know, kind of the chain of command. Um, so she called me whenever I was in my truck, and I I had a dash camera at this point because I bought a dash camera after this incident because I'm like, I'll be damned if I get caught in this kind of incident again and someone lies and gets away with it again. You know what I mean? Like this is not going to happen to me again. So my dash camera actually recorded the whole conversation. Um, But in the conversation, you know, Megan Gallo, she starts off pleasant. And and then I'm just like, well, I don't understand how you can just drop charges for someone who's committed a crime. I said, I feel like I feel like you're doing this because she's part of a police department. and, And, you know, this isn't this isn't fair. And then she starts whipping out the whole, well, basically you know we could have pressed charges against you too and i said how could you have pressed charges against me well this this lady says that you backed into her so we could have charged you with careless driving or even reckless driving and i said no i said there's absolutely no proof of that i have proof of her continuing to hit my vehicle i said you know the officer thought that it was proof enough to get to give her all of these tickets and then up the charges I said, so I'm not buying that. I said, I, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't agree with that. And then she says, well, you know, she was a woman driving alone and quite frankly, she was scared. And I said, well, she wasn't scared enough to continue to hit my truck whenever she, whenever this happened, you know what I mean? Like she, she didn't hit me and then run immediately. She sat there and let me walk around her vehicle to video her license plate, video her face and then continue to hit my truck only whenever I get back in my vehicle and shut my door does she take off. I said, I'm not really buying that either. And then she tells me she lies to me and tells me that this lady did call the police or she did notify police and she did report it. Now, how do you know that's a lie? 
So again, I'm not an, I'm not a stupid person. I, I, you know, to get through schooling, I had to do a lot of research. I had to do, you know, I had, I had to, I had to know how to figure out if information was true or false. So what I, what I did is I went to the, um, Douglas County Sheriff's office and I filed a request for, uh, records being body camera footage, dash camera footage, written reports, anything I could think of, you know, notes, documents, emails, whatever. So I ended up getting the body camera footage and in that body camera footage, she even says, this lady even says that she did not notify police that, um, and she doesn't mention that she's quote, she knows how this goes being that she, you know, works for a police department and, you know, she's a victim's advocate. So she knows how road rage incidents go. She didn't mention that until she realized that she was probably going to be in deep shit for what she had done. Cause so, we really you know, are talking about road rage here, right? You know, that's absolutely what happened. Yeah, she. I guess she said what happened is I was quote riding her ass, but she's in a shorter vehicle. I'm in a kind of a lifted truck. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. It looks like you're closer when you know because the headlights than you really are. So you know, it's kind of hard to gauge that whenever you're in a smaller vehicle. Um, and then she said that I. She and first in, said, and in fairness, if you've been drinking at low dose, Petrios, keep going. Absolutely, absolutely. So then she says um, in the video, um, the, the body camera footage, she says, he backed into me at the light. And then, you know, the, all this little small talk, oh, thank you for doing what you do, officer, you know, blah, 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 blah. Wait, what was her first move when you got the body cam? What was her very first move as the officer approached? Oh, she whips her badge out. She 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 doesn't say, Was hey, it I'm a badge or a Parker Police credential? Yeah, it was a Parker Police Department credentialing badge. It said Parker Police Department. That's the first thing she did. She didn't have her driver's license available for him. She didn't have her insurance. She didn't say, hey, please help me. I'm scared. She literally had that hanging out of the car with this smug smug look on her face. Now, I've had a chance to watch some of the body cams. We'll get to that. But, boy, you're like a dog with a bone now. And did you stop at Douglas County, or did you start getting body cams from every agency you could? I, I got Douglas County's body camera footage. I got Arapahoe County's. Um, I got... I tried to get um, records from the 18th Judicial District DA's office, but they have kind of been gatekeepers. I, I, I feel like they sat on those records until the case was sealed. Now the case is sealed, so now they have a reason to not release them to me. What, um, what about Parker PD? Did they give you body cams? Yep, I got theirs as well. So I actually um, filed a complaint with the Parker Police Department. Um and uh, with their internal affairs or whatever they call it, professional affairs or whatever. And they agreed with me that she broke policy and that my claims were sustained because I told them the truth of everything that happened. And they said, based off of all the information, that she was in the wrong. All right. Now, let me tell you something, because I was a prosecutor for 16 years. And it was a difficult job, but this was before body cams. And now I do occasional select criminal defense, and I'm overwhelmed with body cams, and I feel an obligation to watch it all, and I do. And I discover amazing things sometimes toward the end when they don't know that their mics are still on or whatever. But as a prosecutor, I cannot imagine 
that I would have the time in my life to do that, given the volume of the cases. So let's cut some slack for Megan Gallo. You get all these body cams. You are tenacious. And so in good faith that you say, look, this is what we've got. She didn't call the police. She gave three different stories. She sounds like she's drunk. She acts like she's drunk. At first, she denies drinking, and then she says, oh, yeah, I was drinking margaritas, but only this much. At least get her out of the car to do a test. But I'm thinking on behalf of Megan Gallo and even this Alexander Franklin, they didn't have all those hours to watch the video. So did you put it together in a package to them and say, hey, Let's get this charge reinstated. Let, let's get some justice here. I absolutely did. I got a hold of them and said, hey, this is, I think the words I used were bullshit, that, you, that she didn't notify the police. And I said, you lied to me. And, you know, honestly, I've never gotten a response back from anybody in that office. I've called John Kellner, left well over five uh, voice messages or messages with his assistant or whatever you want to call her, his secretary. I've sent emails. Um, So finally, I just kind of got tired of them not doing the right thing. And um, I got a hold of, uh, are you okay if I start talking about that? Yeah, no, it's cool. I'm just saying the body cams are amazing. You even got body cams of Douglas County going to her house to serve her with the increased charges, right? Right. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And um, and then oh, then there's body camera footage of, you know, of the officer speaking with her lawyer uh, about because the, the lady wouldn't even answer her phone when the police department tried getting a hold of her. She avoided them and then ended up having her lawyer get a hold of the police department. And then so you can hear some of that conversation, too. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I got I got some pretty good body camera footage. Um, so, you know, being fed up with the the lack of let me think how to say this, the lack of caring from, uh, or no, no, not even caring the lack of, I'm trying to think of the right word here. Sorry. Honesty. Honesty. Well, I mean, duty, the lack of, of doing their duty at the DA's office. The, no, I don't they, want, I don't want to be, see there. I have volunteered a word because Megan Gallo is probably trying to do her job and she's got her bosses too, right? Okay. Yeah, I guess that's fair. So I'm not going to call anybody dishonest and the buck stops with John Kellner. Do we know that John yeah. Kellner's way aware of this situation? Yeah. So I, you know, I've, I've, I reached out to him multiple times via email, via, um, messages everything and i had no response from him um so then i got to the point to where i'm like hey you know what i'm just going to core request all of the emails documents anything that has my name in it from the da's office so i did that because i'm like well maybe he's not getting these messages maybe he's not aware that i want to speak to him because maybe you know they're not passing it along but i got an email uh in a part of my core request that states Hey team, can I get some information on this case before I contact Mr. Craner? And that was from John Kellner. And he never reached out to me. He never has once called me. He has never, I've seen him in person a couple times. Um, I feel like he knows who I am. Um, Where have you seen him in person? um, I saw him, I was out handing out uh, little business cards, uh, 
you know, documenting my incident at, um, there was a last Colorado attorney general's, uh, I guess you'd call it debate or town hall that was over in, um, uh, Lowry, the Lowry neighborhood. I was how, how recently was that? Uh, I, th- I want to say it was last month. It was outside of there's a little uh, church over there in Lowry, like an old historic church. Um, now I have I, to, I, be- yeah, I have to believe he's well aware of you because you are six foot five. And the night I saw you at the big Kellner yes. Weiser debate, you were carrying some huge sign, and I it got my attention. What did the sign say? Um, it's it. it it says um, John Kellner, not right for Colorado, um, selective uh, or John Kellner equals selective prosecution, not right for Colorado. Watch the lies here. But I was standing there and I was talking to an individual about the issue. And then he comes walking by. I said, well, there he is right there. He won't even have a conversation with me. And he just looks at me and shakes his head and smiles and walks away. So he, he I feel like he's aware who I of who I am. He just doesn't want to do his job and have the conversation. Um, I had my encounter with you there and you sized me up and I sized you up. Do you think that's fair description? I don't know. Yeah, right. And, but you were straightforward. And then you gave me a link to uh, a YouTube that blew me away. Tell everybody how that came about. Yeah. So, you know, after not getting the answers that I thought were fair um, from the the DA's office, I decided to just kind of, you know, do trial by public. Um, and I got a hold of a YouTuber. Um, his name's Lackluster uh, is his page name. Um, and he does like police accountability and uh, First Amendment audit type stuff and um, like governmental accountability uh, videos of people who have been wronged by the government or, or what have you. And so I got a hold of him and I sent him everything and or I sent him like a synopsis of what happened. And at first he was kind of like, ah, man, I, I don't know if I can really help you. There's not enough information. And I said, Oh, wait, 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 let me send you all the videos and everything I have. And his response was, Holy cow. He says, I'll have, I'll make a video and we'll, we'll have it up here soon. So he went through all the information. He, you know, he, he kind of edited, edited it down into a 30 minute long video. Um, and that video has like almost 190,000 views. Um, and it basically goes through in chronological order of what happened. And then he kind of goes back and forth to say, okay, well, they said this happened, but here's what really we found out later. And it was a very well done video. Um, but I actually have a QR code of that video on my sign. I also had, um, a thousand business cards made with the same image on my sign and, um, the QR code down in the, in the bottom corner. So people can get a link to that video. Yeah. 190,000 hits. Right. And, and, and yeah, had you ever heard of this site before you got involved in these things? Um, I I I kind of have watched. I'm I'm sure I have in the past watched some of his videos. I mean, I mean, I'm always I've always been intrigued by the you know the people who do the First Amendment audit type stuff and you know the the police overreach and you know the governmental decay. I guess I'd say um, in in a lot of these communities, and I, I it kind of kind of amazes me that that stuff actually happens. And I kind of, I like watching that to, 
to just see what happens, you know, to these governmental agencies after they get outed for their bad behavior. It reminded me of a good dateline. And I just watched one of those about a Denver murder. Bob Feldman killed his wife. It was horrible. But that's what it's like a mini dateline. And was the editing fair? I mean, what if somebody says, oh, this was selectively edited? What's your response? Oh, no, no. No, he just edited out like the like the the parts where no one was talking. The um, no, it, it is absolutely true to the story. I mean, I've there was someone who had said that, well, this isn't accurate. And I said, hey, if you want to give me your email address, I will email you a Google Drive with absolutely every bit of the dash camera, the body camera footage everything that was used to make this video. And it is the exact same storyline, the exact same information, and the exact same truth. It's compelling. Um, We're going to put it in the show notes. Uh, I plan to play it. I want you to get like 500,000 hits. I'm sure you would love that. And what about John Kellner? Any response? Zero. I haven't heard from John Kellner. I haven't heard one word. As a matter of fact, um, I after the video was released, um, of course, his Facebook, his official 18th Judicial District Attorney's Office Facebook page was um, linked into that video. So, of course, you know, everybody who watches that video is like, oh, hey, I'm going to go comment on them and let them know that they're not doing the right thing. After that happened, there were over 200 comments on one of the posts on his on John Kellner's official Facebook page. And miraculously, they blocked commenting from happening. They they shut down commenting on their Facebook page so people couldn't be um, critical of their actions or of their inactions, um, which is shady as all get out, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm thinking about the repercussions. The Douglas County Sheriff's Department, that sergeant who decided the charges should be increased, have you... Uh, done anything to figure out the fallout there? Yeah, I called and spoke with a sergeant there, and um, he told me, he said, man, I'm going to be honest with you. This kind of stuff happens all the time. You know, we we do our jobs. We fight. We, um, we charge these people, and then it goes to the DA's office, and it just dies. He said, very rarely will we do it, but we try to, every once in a while, we'll pull a card of, hey, we're going to push this and we want you to charge this person. We want this done because the evidence is damning. They said, but for something like this, we don't, we aren't going to use, we aren't going to try that, that tactic with this. He said, but they, they, they don't charge, they don't prosecute like they should is what he said. Did you get any other inside reaction from Parker police or otherwise? Um, other than, um, other than the, um, the fact that she no longer works for Parker Police Department. She resigned on her own, and I'm assuming it was kind of one of those, hey, either you resign or you're going to be let go. Uh, because the internal, like I said, the internal investigation um, found that all of everything that I had told them was true um, and that she broke policy. And I even did a core request for them to see if there were any emails back and forth between Kellner's office and Parker Police Department. And some of them, I feel like, weren't released to me. Um, they said there were over a thousand emails, or over four thousand emails, because of you know, 
emails that go like for committees and stuff like that. But I only received, I can't remember the exact number I received, but there were no emails from the DA's office to Parker Police Department directly. There was some mention of conversations they had with um, the DA's office, but nothing, nothing directly from them. So it appears she got away with intentionally damaging your vehicle, reckless driving. She did it with the conscious disregard. You might even call it intentional. I would. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the hit and run. What about the drinking and driving? Most DAs want to be tough on it. What about you um, as a father? How do you feel about drinking and driving? So I have never once in my life drank alcohol and then driven a vehicle. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's the dumbest thing. You, I feel like it's one of the dumbest things you can do. It's totally avoidable to, you know, cause incidents and accidents that, that don't need to happen. So I, I, I feel like that they dropped the ball on that one too. Why? I mean, I mean what makes you think that she had been drinking to access? Okay. So the fact that she said that she hasn't been drinking, that's the first officer, the second group of officers come speak with her. She states that she had one drink, but then I watched the dash, the body camera footage, the first video, she says she hadn't been drinking and she didn't have anything in her mouth. The second set of cops come up. She had mint, uh, like a mint or gum in her mouth. Um, and she stated that she had been drinking. And I feel like at that point they should have pulled her out and just checked. I mean, the way she was driving, she was, she was not keeping her lane. Whenever I was following her, she was slamming on her brakes. She, she was not driving like a sober individual. Um, then the fact that whenever Douglas County thought that it was Arapahoe County's case, I got radio traffic from Douglas County. That officer even stated that there may be alcohol involved, but they'll have to do that investigation when they, being Arapahoe County, gets there. But then whenever Douglas County found out it was their case, that investigation was not performed. What about the way she spoke? You can hear a lot oh, of it. And do you think that indicates absolutely. possible alcohol consumption and why? She slurred her words. She she couldn't keep her story straight. She looked like she was about to fall asleep. She her her body mannerisms, like, you know, she the way she was moving her hands and kind of, you know, slouching. Every bit of the interaction between the cop and her should have shown that she had been drinking in excess. She did call that Parker cop sweetie, right? Uh, no, that was Douglas oh, County. Oh, that was Douglas yeah. County, my bad. Yeah, the, the Parker Police Department, there were two. There was a training officer and an officer in training. Oh, yeah. The young guys, the, right. Yeah, she was like, you know, it was like a cartoon where you see that, you know, the fast blinking of the the eyelids and the the like the fake laugh. The it was it was weird for sure. It was the Douglas County guy that she called sweetie. Yeah, yeah, right. Because she, I feel, in my opinion, I feel like she was inebriated enough that she couldn't think about what she was saying before she said it. Again, hence the fact that she couldn't keep her story straight, you know, westbound, eastbound, he hit me, we both, I went forward, he came backwards, we were both moving forward, you know what I mean? Like, there was no consistent story that came out of her mouth. I mean, she tried to push that story that you backed into her, and she accused you of a crime, and Megan Gallo said you could be charged with a crime. Boy, isn't that up there in the top 10, you don't bear false witness against another person? 
there you go. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's the other part that kind of is a kicker. It's like, so you're going to drop the charges because you say that what I was told by the DA's office is that no jury would ever um, find her guilty. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's not your job. I mean, I understand that, you know, you if, if a jury doesn't if a, if a trial doesn't go your way, it doesn't look good on your part. But, you know, John Kellner, you can't just only pick the cases that you feel like are going to be a slam dunk. Uh, case. See, I have to I have to push back on you, Luke. They okay. are ethically bound not to bring a case if they don't think they can reasonably prove it to a jury. In fact, okay. Megan Gallo, and I wrote this down, told you, you recorded this on your dash cam audio video. She said, we would never have succeeded in this case. And I think, I just respectfully disagree given the evidence. Okay. I think that any prosecutor should be able to prove this case to a jury of six in the county court. I mean, what would be the problem? Your wife and your daughters would testify, correct? Right. The right. body cams would come in. She, they would right. see that she probably got, well, I don't know, maybe she got away with drinking and driving. She said, I was going west, which is why they brought Arapahoe County at, out. She was just confused on a lot of facts. You described well the incident, and she left the scene of an accident. After right. hitting you several times, the jury's going to say guilty if you have. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's not that they have the wrong standard. They just came to the wrong conclusion, in my humble opinion. Right. And, you know, and another thing I was told was, and this, this just kind of rubbed me the wrong way, too, is, you know, yes, I am a six foot tall, bearded guy. Six foot five. Uh, Six foot, yeah, over six foot, yeah, six foot five, bearded guy. I get that, but my my rights to to getting this this taken care of appropriately are no greater than anybody else's, or no less than anybody else's. The fact that I was told she was a woman alone, whenever that, whenever I was told that, as a defense, is asinine. If I that mean, works, I mean, that's a get-out-of-accident-free card. If you're a woman well, and, and you hit somebody, just run away because you're scared that the guy might I, get mad. Well, honestly, so and that's what led into the conversation. I said, okay, so here's here. what if I'm driving alone and I'm afraid to stop and I keep driving after an accident? Is that a good enough defense for me? And I was told, yes, as long as you report it. And that's when I said, oh, she reported it? Yes, she notified police is what I was told. So, I mean, it sounds like, again, the policy in their office is it's a free-for-all. Do whatever you want. You know what I mean? And that's not that's not what the state needs, first of all. We don't need, we don't need a, a Wild West free-for-all. Well, I think that this is citizen advocacy at its finest. And have you tried to get this aired on other media? Uh, I have, um, but I mean, the the response I get is, um, "Hey, we you know we we have such a large amount of stories, uh, we're not able to take this right now." Or, "Hey, I'll get back to you," and they haven't gotten back to me, and I'm not going to pester them, you know. Um, like it takes it takes time to tell. It takes somebody with like a three or four hour radio show or a podcast. Hey, I know the perfect guy. In fact, right. he was yep. the prosecutor. In that very jurisdiction, he brags about training John Kellner. 
He's gone off about road rage, which is good. He's Mr. Crime. He's George Brockler. And, you know, he would be a perfect guy. You Would you I'd be willing to, to go on his show and tell the truth to him? Absolutely. I'd love to speak with him. Did you listen to that hour of road rage analysis that I provided you by George Brockler? I did. I did. And I, I loved every minute of it, actually. I, I mean, it, it was a, a, a great podcast. Because the guy says we have to crack down on road rage. If it's in our community, we need to stop it. And he was railing against the Democrat politicians like Polis and Weiser because yeah. they're so weak that Colorado is, what, number three in the country in road rage. Yep. And he laid it at the Democrats' uh, doorsteps. Am I right? Well, yeah. Now here we are with Republican John Kellner. And it's – this is – the thing is, the, the thing is, is there's no names attached to what that guy was speaking about being the, you know what I mean? There are no names George attached Brock to that. There, right. Right. My name is attached to this. You know what I mean? This is my, like you have a, a first person, in-person story of how the ball was dropped and no care was given by Kellner. Right. And when you search your database for Cranor, C-R-A-N-O-R, it's a pretty unique last name. And I bet that they are aware of you. And how many people would you like to be aware of you in this incident? All of them. Do you mean every voter? Anybody anybody who's willing to give it a listen, I'm, I, that's who I want to hear it. I mean, I want I want everybody to hear it. Yes. Do you want John Kellner to listen? Oh, absolutely. George Brockler? Yeah. And then if Kellner would give me a call after he listens to it, I'd be very open to that as well. And if George Brockler wanted you on his show, would you do it? Absolutely. What about Dan Kaplis? He's a big John Kellner background and or big John Kellner backer. Yeah. He, he's, he says he's given money. This guy has the greatest integrity. He's all about auto accidents. Yeah, um, no. So I, I, if, I if talk- they come to you and say, hey, I want to cross-examine you. I mean, these guys are good attorneys. They could cross-examine you. Are you willing to do that? Absolutely, man. I, I have I have, I have, have zero of anything to hide. I have nothing to hide. As a matter of fact, after the accident and after like that, that next weekday after the accident – I put in a, a request for CDOT to give me the camera footage from that that um, uh, intersection. Come to find out, they don't record; they're only live. Um, and then I put in a re- I called every single business. Like I, I have a whole list of them, twenty or twenty five businesses on that corner of that intersection to see if they had any cameras pointing that direction. Like I did my due diligence. I'm trying to prove. 100% for what happened. You know what I mean? I'm trying to prove what happened. Because evidently my video of her ramming into the back of me is not enough. So I have zero of anything Dang. to hide. Can I hire yeah. you to be an investigator? You <laughs> know how to do these things. It's probably from yeah. your medical background. Because when you investigate a medical situation, it's important. The data, the information, Absolutely. you can't make mistakes, right? Right. No, no. And I, that's what I mean. I have to assess uh, and evaluate and then act. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not, it's not, I don't have days and days to do it. Like I have this, but I, I, I'm used to doing it in quick succession. Like it's bam, bam, 
so whenever I actually have the time to do it, it's even more in depth. So I, I, I have no trouble doing research and figuring stuff out. And I like assessing witnesses. I sized you up when we met in person. I sized up your YouTube, and now I've sized you up again. I think you're telling the truth. And one of the indicias is you acknowledge that, gosh, if I could do it over again, even though she flipped me the double bird, I should not have responded because you never know who you're responding to, right? Absolutely. Right. No, and and, and that that was, you know, and I know people are going to think, oh, he had his kids in the car and he used his middle finger. So that's another thing. My, my, my kids, I, there's things you can do when you're an adult and there's things you can do when you're kids. And that's what we've always taught them. And, and cussing and, and that kind of stuff is one of those things. Whenever you're old enough, if you choose to do that, you do, you do that. But as you're a child, you don't do that. So, I mean, if people want to judge me for that as well. That's fine. But, um, that's not, that's not really a concern. You know what I mean? Let's cut some compassion for John Kellner. He's a busy guy. Right after he took a brand new job, he was put up there to run for AG. It's a hard race. He's so busy. He has big staff. He can't micromanage every misdemeanor case. Now he's running for attorney general. He wants the votes of people like you, the people who normally vote Republican. Why Why not just give him your vote? Oh, okay, so... Whenever I first started um, getting into healthcare, I or going to school, I worked in healthcare. My first job I had, I worked in an operating room where it was my job to uh, retract organs during heart surgery and cardiovascular procedures. So I did that job. I had a brand new uh, daughter. I was um, broker than a joke. I worked 40 hours a week, went to school, took call on the weekends, weeknights. I got like, I felt like two hours of sleep a night, but yet I still had time. If someone gave me a call, I could return their phone call. He has no reason whatsoever to not have returned an email, a phone call. Hell, he has my, he has my cell phone number. I'm sure he can shoot me a text. I'm game for whatever. But if he doesn't have the common decency to, de- to do his job, and advocate for victims, then he's not, he doesn't deserve my vote and he doesn't deserve the votes of other people either. Wow. You are uh, an incredible guest, Luke Craner. Anything else you would add to the situation? I mean, it, is that the one and done on the AG vote? Do you even know Phil Weiser or? Yeah, I've, I've read some about him. I mean, there, again, there's things I don't quite agree with with him, and that may not be a popular opinion either. But um, if that's those are the two choices, I mean, it absolutely will not be John Kellner. And probably would have been, but for this personal encounter, right? Probably, yeah. What else do you have to say to the public about this situation? I, I so appreciate your, you sharing this story. We are going to um, air your YouTube with your permission. And I, I think it's, you know, these pictures and these videos are worth a thousand words, right? Absolutely. Yeah. There's, I mean, it's, it's all, all in the footage, man. It's, um, it, there's no arguing with it. It's there in Dolby, Dolby surround sound and color, man. It's there's no arguing with it. Well, I admire your tenacity and you are so well spoken. Thanks for saving people on the operating table. Your job sounds amazing.
I think you're probably a great father when you flip the bird. Did you put it out the window or? Well, so I actually, so this is <laughs> this is kind of the, the funny part to me, I guess. If anything about that night was funny, my windows are tinted pretty dark, and I stuck my middle finger up between the driver's seat and the passenger seat, and my youngest daughter says, "I don't think she can see that because your windows are tinted." So I rolled my window down and then stuck my finger out the window. How old are you, youngest? <laughs> She's okay. Don't judge me again. Don't judge me. She's ten. Out of the but, mouths of babes. Yes. yes that's exactly right. And but, anyway, um, they've seen that, that their father's not a guy to be trifled with. There's yeah, a powerful you know, lesson there. And they and so and that's another thing. I've I've taught both my kids, which has kind of come back to bite me. I've taught them both to ask why. Don't ever take someone's answer just because as an answer. That's not that's that's not that's not the way the world works. I mean it does for some people, but that's not the way it works for me. And and, and I'm trying to raise them to be strong women who don't put up with abusive situations and because I said so as an answer. I mean, you always have to ask why you have to advocate for yourself because honestly, no one else will. Right. And you're trying to figure out why did the DA's office say so? Why did they make these strange decisions here? Have you reached a conclusion? No, no. I mean, they haven't given me an answer. I mean, Whenever I get the core requested documents um, sent to me, because I do a core request every now and then, because I, you know, pop in my head, oh, maybe I should ask for this, maybe I should ask for that. They're so heavily redacted that I can't get an answer. Um, I honestly, I honestly feel that she was given a get out of jail free card because of who she worked for, and um, yeah, because she worked for the Parker Police Department, that she got a, a get out of jail free card. I mean. Unfortunately, you kind of see that happen frequently. I mean, there's really no rhyme or reason to why some of that stuff happens, but that's the only conclusion that one can come to. And we haven't mentioned her name. We're not making it personal against her. She got a great result, but John Kellner wants to be the attorney general. Is that why you felt the need to bring it to the attention of the public? Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, um, yeah, and, and that I just want justice to be served. I mean, that's that's... You know, I get these mailers in the mail and, you know, that, you know, it says committed to keeping criminals off our streets and trusted by local families and law enforcement. That That's a lie. I mean, not only are you not committed to keeping criminals off of our streets, you've given them the go ahead with no repercussions. I mean, that you can't. I can't Although in that. fairness, that would only be for certain people who are connected in certain ways. Which is even scarier. Honestly. Not good. Yeah. And maybe it's just a one-off, and uh, John Kellner can correct it. I've invited him back on my show. He's come on in the past, been a guest in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. I invite people. It was so cool to meet you that night, and I'm going to tell this story of Luke Craner indicting John Kellner, and uh, thanks for doing this. Yeah, you're welcome, man. Thanks for having me. All right, Luke. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Now, during the pandemic and otherwise, a lot of people have so much affection for their pets. That must come up all the time. What's going to happen to Scruffy? What can you tell us about that, Michael Bailey? What you can do is create a pet trust in Colorado. You put money into trust, and then that money is available and earmarked to care for the dog. 
and it can last the lifetime of the dog or 21 years, whichever is shorter. And then when the time frame for the trust is up, you can dictate who gets whatever leftover money or I have several clients who will leave it to some sort of animal shelter or animal rescue to be able to care for other animals. How cool is that? You can go to Mike Bailey's office and he has offices all over and you could meet at your home, whatever. I love the way you practice law. You've kept it going for a long time. Tell everybody how they can make you their lawyer. So my phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. They can call me or they can go online to mobileestateplanning.com. And there's a link there where you can schedule an appointment with me. Okay, here's the thing. You've been hurt. Maybe, God forbid, someone's been killed. You don't know what to do. If it happened in Colorado, please get a hold of me. Check out my website, craigscoloradolaw.com. craigscoloradolaw.com because I have four decades of experience. Sadly, I've helped a lot of people who have been hurt terribly through no fault of their own. 303-734-7156. Please call Craig. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. 303-734-7156. George Brockler is probably one of the most powerful people in the Colorado Republican Party. Just like Donald Trump is dominant nationally, you have to factor in George Brockler. He's got a morning show. He's glib. He's interesting. There's not that much to listen to on local talk radio. And he fights against the MAGA people to an extent, but not to the point that he'll fight a Lauren Boebert or somebody like that. In for a dime, in for a dollar. It was mid-September when I was listening and the discussion turned to road rage. Brockler is good as demonstrated here. Good at entertaining people, I mean. Getting people to think got me thinking. I know we are prone to talking a lot of current events in politics. And in some ways, this is that topic. Didn't really expect it to keep this kind of momentum through the six. And for those of you that are listeners at the seven o'clock or later hour, which you don't know is the six o'clock hour, you miss some really good stuff. You should hit on the podcast. One of that is the Thorpe Report, which is the legitimate news of the day. You might be able to get that anywhere else, maybe. But what you can't get is the You Choose the News, which comes on right after the Thorpe Report. And then on Mondays, we've launched something called Grievance Monday. And it's an opportunity for people to really decompress after a weekend of – and it's supposed to be, obviously, you're recharging your batteries, but invariably – if you do anything outside of your home, you're going to run into an issue, whether it's a customer service issue, a neighborhood issue, perhaps even as we've discussed here, a road issue. And this is an opportunity for people to call in, text in, email in their particular grievances. And in doing that, we have two great things going on here. One, the cathartic thing about just kind of vomiting all that up and getting it out of your system. It's like detoxifying and then the other part is the shared misery part. Because as you hear these stories, you begin to think a couple things. One, 
my God, that's happened to me, or two, I can one-up that, because it's America, and you're constantly in this competitive mode, as we've discussed on the roads, and that brings us to this Forbes advisor uh, article that came out, a study done on road rage. And this thing has really become the topic of the day, at least for now, and that is Colorado is third worst in America for road rage. Now, I'm a little disappointed because we've managed to, with the certain people in power under the Gold Dome, we've managed to get to be number one in car theft and number one in bank robberies, number two in fentanyl overdoses, but we've we've only achieved number three in road rage. I'm disappointed, honestly, that we're not better than that. But it is the bronze on the podium of road rage in America. We're bronze. Wow, I did not know that Polis and Weiser were responsible for road rage. I would think that would be the bailiwick of the local prosecutor, the job that George Brockler used to have. That's why John Kellner's performance on road rage, the guy who got trained under George Brockler, well, I just think it's interesting that Brockler would bring this up and keep going and suggest that liberals are responsible for road rage. Really? I don't know. I would be more concerned with a MAGA guy, generally speaking, a gun owner. That's just me. If somebody has one of those get-along peace signs on the back, I'm not suspecting road rage, but maybe, maybe Brockler and his callers are right. Asking the question, who is likely to be a worse driver on the road, a liberal or a conservative? And if you're unaffiliated, you're probably driving right there straddling the line anyways. <laughs> hey, hello, but umpa, we're going right back to the phone line. Scott, you have been very patient for waiting. Thank you. You're on 710. What are your thoughts? Hey, just for reference, you and I had a conversation about Guns N' Roses of the music industry like on a Saturday what? months ago. Anyway. Were we liquored up? Yeah. No, whatever. Anyway, I thought maybe you'd remember that. Anyway, so <laughs> Thanks, I've been Scott. sitting here, and I'm, and I'm in traffic, and I'm a little irritated. I've been on hold a half hour, so, yeah. I mean, I'm, I was a lot calmer. Never mind. No, no, keep going. Keep <laughs> anyway, going with it. I like it. We're building to road rage. This is eyewitness news. <laughs> well, I mean, so... I'm thinking of the times I've been the victim and the times I've been the rager. And the one thing I hate is when I give myself that couple of car lengths in front of me and here comes the guy and, hey, oh, that's an invitation yeah. to just scoot in. So then I got to back up to give myself some more space and then somebody yep. else scoots in. So I'm like losing ground, but I'm doing 60 miles an hour. <laughs> that's right. Pretty soon you realize you're <laughs> back then, at your driveway. <laughs> and, and, and kind of tongue-in-cheek but you're talking about liberals or the liberal is the person that's in the left lane doing five miles under the speed limit white knuckling it on the steering wheel looking at you in the rearview mirror <laughs> thinking I, they're your personal traffic i cop. also think scott i love that description they're also the people that put on their blinker and regardless of what space doesn't exist between the cars in front of them just starts coming over because they're entitled to, you know what I mean? Like that space is theirs. It's only fair. They should have it. They're just coming over. You need to make room for them. And then we get to this soundbite that leads to the funny vomiting stuff. When somebody uses vomit as part of their humor, well, some people think that's funny. George Brockler opening the door, vomiting and laying out some motorcyclist. Now that's a funny concept to somebody. Here's one. Uh, if you raptured 
every damn Subaru and their kooky lefty drivers off Colorado roads, traffic and life here would be vastly improved. That's Ellen. I've never heard the, the phrase raptured every it's a it's a good reference there. I feel like it's the spiritual equivalent of beaming them off of the planet. Three oh three six nine six nineteen seventy one. Here is Alexa. I think drivers who drive under the speed limit cause more accidents on the highway than drivers that drive over the speed limit. I do too. And I don't ever see anybody get pulled over for driving too slowly. On the highways you see that minimum speed thing. They ought to have something like that built into everywhere. Uh, I think you need to have a traffic law expert on for Q&A. You're talking to the traffic law expert. That's not really true. We should get someone from State Patrol on. We should get their PIO, super funny guy. Although I wonder if he can be funny about the traffic stuff because someone's going to get into an accident and say, hey, the really funny State Patrol guy came on and said I could do this. I'm interested to know what we're seeing more and more out there. 303-696-1971. Lane splitting is illegal in the state of Colorado for all you California motorcyclist transplants. I did not know that. I Maybe we do need a traffic law expert. The lane splitting thing, and you see these clowns on motorcycles riding in between stopped cars. I think to myself, what if I drifted over to the left or the right? What if I opened a car because I needed to throw up? And that guy crushes me on that side of the car. Am I at fault? Did I do something wrong? I do think that Brockler's voice at the end is funny. Am I at fault? Did I do something wrong? And it's especially funny when it gets sped up. Am I at fault? Did I do something wrong? But that would not be fair. And I would never use it as a political ad against him. Really, this race is about John Kellner. And John Kellner did an interview with me back in December of 20, right after he got elected. And I think maybe I'm responsible for John Kellner, too. And I think there are a lot of good parts of John Kellner. Because he got trained by Stan Garnett, who got trained by me. Listen to John Kellner discuss his experience in Boulder and how he intended to do the job as DA in the most important judicial district, the most populous. Maybe Denver's more important, but... I live and work in the 18th Judicial District, but here is 18th Judicial District DA who wants to be AG, John Kellner, talking about his time in Boulder with Stan Garnett working in that DA's office after he attended CU Law School and served honorably in the military. You know, I was in Boulder in law school from 03 to 06, and then uh, active duty from 2006 to 2011. Gosh, that's a good story, and thank you for your service. You said you're not good at math. It seems you may not be good at trivia, but back to Stan Garnett. <laughs> Who was his chief deputy in the Denver DA's office when he was first assigned to district court? I'm going to go with a guy named Craig Silverman. That's right. I'm sure Stan talks about it all the time, but I like Stan Garnett. How about you? Absolutely. I learned a lot from him as a DA. He's a guy that I've kept in touch with over the years. He's been a mentor, and I really appreciate that. He was really adamant that hey, there are some cases that come before you that, you know, as the elected district attorney, matter so much to the community that they expect and they want their elected DA out there sort of leading that charge, leading that case. And I saw him do that in Boulder. It's something I've seen George Brockler do. Yeah, I've seen, frankly, Dan May and, and many other DAs do the same. It's something I intend to do as well. 
John Kellner and I had a good discussion about being prosecutors. He knows that I worked for 15 years as a DA. He was a chief deputy. I think he was in Boulder, definitely in the 18th. I did that job in Denver for a long time. And he talks about what it takes to be a good leader. Interesting discussion in the context of what Luke Craner had to say. You were a chief deputy, so you know what this is like. You can have some absolutely fantastic trial attorneys. But then you've got to also develop this other side of helping to lead and motivate people. Because you know, within the DA's office, it's not just about showing up in court, presenting effective evidence and convincing a jury to maybe convict somebody. It's working with those victim advocates. It's working with detectives and investigators and getting everybody rowing in the same direction. That takes leadership. That's something that's been a core focus of me as a chief deputy in the 18th is developing my young subordinate prosecutors to not just be excellent in the courtroom, but to to sort of broaden that and make them good leaders too. And then I got right down to it. The issue that really drives everybody's politics these days. I feel so estranged from my former friends, Dan Kaplis, George Brockler, because I hear them on the air defending the MAGA side of things, and I don't like it. Dan Kaplis used to say we were brothers from another mother, and I guess that's what the Civil War is like, but in truth, we come from way different backgrounds. His faith makes him take this crazy pro-life stand. He got into it with Ross Kaminsky because Kaminsky called him out for undermining Joe O'Day. Then Kaplis called Kaminsky, and they had it out to an extent, but they pulled their punches. Watch for that to accelerate. Watch for George Brockler to have problems with Randy Corcoran and Peter Boyles, and it's, it's a mess over there because... It's infected by magotypes, and that's not going to work. And I wanted to find out from John Kellner if he was afflicted by magaitis, and I'm not sure that he is, and I don't think he really answered my question, but it was a good one, and I posed it to him in all sincerity. You are not the first newly elected prosecutor in the lounge, but you're election took a while. Tell everybody about your come from behind victory. Well, on election night, you know, I was keeping obviously a keen eye on those results as they came in, but we were down on election night. I think we were down about 1,500 votes or so. And you'll forgive me if it's a little blurry because I kind of blocked that part out. But I also knew that unlike the rest of the country, Colorado kind of did the inverse where we count all those mail-in ballots first and they really tabulate and then post those results at 7 p.m. on election night. So I knew there was a large contingent of in-person day of voters that I thought was going to predominantly skew towards a Republican candidate like myself. So I knew there was still hope that those results might change. So over the next couple of days, as they counted those ballots across the judicial district, Arapahoe, Douglas, Elbert, and Lincoln, I ended up taking the lead by about 1,500 votes. And then I learned something I knew nothing about, which was uh, curing. So your listeners had probably heard Andrew Stutman earlier talk about the cure process where if somebody's ballot is rejected because let's say it's a mismatched signature or something like that, 
you've got this opportunity, thank goodness, to fix your ballot within this statutory time frame, about a week you know, after that election to make sure, hey, if it was your ballot, you sign an affidavit, you put a form in, and it counts. So I think my opponent, Ms. Patton, obviously myself, we were all very focused on ensuring that we're getting folks to cure their ballots because there was several thousand of those and, you know, might have had the potential to flip the race. Ultimately, it didn't change much. My lead was about 1,433, I want to say, after the curing. And then that means we were going to a recount. So we were five votes away, just five votes from being outside that automatic recount margin. And here's where I think things were really impressive to me. The county clerks from all four counties did a fantastic job. It took them about a week to recount everything. And in the end, the vote total changed out of 573,000 plus votes. The total vote total changed by eight. So I ended up winning this race by 1,425 votes across those four counties. Congratulations. Smart move getting Andrew Strutman. He's one of the smartest people I've ever had on a broadcast. He's super. Did you know him before you hired him to help you cure those ballots? No, I didn't, actually. I got introduced to him really when this became an issue for me. I had a great campaign manager and Jack Cutter who helped me throughout the entirety of this campaign. And so when it came to this point, that was pretty specialized stuff. And I know Andrew had successfully led some cure efforts in the past. So I was really happy to bring him on, fortunate to get him. So when you went to bed on election night, you were behind? Yeah, sure was. Boy, that had to feel crappy, but you comforted yourself thinking that Republican strongholds had not yet reported? Yeah, so it was really about the day of voters. You know, so just the folks that went in that day to a a voting polling center and cast their ballots. There were thousands upon thousands of those that had not yet been counted across the district. And there were what's called ballot swaps. So basically ballots that were outstanding that maybe somebody dropped off in the Denver box, but they needed to send it to Arapahoe County. Those things were floating around in the mail still. But basically, because Republicans were encouraged to vote day of, there was more of that on your side than there was for Democrat Amy Patton, right? Yeah, that's pretty much the way it shook out. And I think that's generally the case that Republicans vote more on the day of in Colorado now. Right. But especially this year with Donald Trump encouraging it. And that makes perfect sense to me. So I did not want Donald Trump to win. I voted for Joe Biden and I went to bed thinking, "Uh oh. But then I knew that there was a law that was the inverse in Pennsylvania and some other states to what Colorado has, because Colorado, they get to count the votes that come in before Election Day. So those are ready to go. In Pennsylvania, their Republican legislature said, we're not going to count till after the election day voters. So, of course, Donald Trump was way ahead. We weren't sure if he would catch up, but we knew there was a good chance of it, just like you knew that you might catch up. So does that make sense to you? Oh, yeah. And I think that's interesting because out in Florida, for instance, you remember on election night, those results came in pretty early, pretty fast. Yes. And everybody said, "Okay, Donald Trump has won Florida. And that's because they allow them to count those mail-in ballots, uh, absentee ballots in advance. Do you remember Virginia? It looked like Trump was way ahead and you said, whoa, he's going to win Virginia. But then it just was a function of where they were getting the votes from, right? 
Yeah, I, I suppose that's right. I will confess that on election night, I was focused a whole lot more on what was happening in my four counties than I was on what was happening nationally. So I'm not sure about Virginia, but yeah, it certainly sounds right. And you'll forgive the rest of us that we were focused on the national election, although I cared a lot, but I thought, hey, there are two good professionals running in the 18th JD. So I didn't really care. And as I've said on the air, and I will tell you, I am so adamantly opposed to Donald Trump that I just decided not to honor the Republican Party. It has kind of bowed toward Trumpism, including the thing that really concerns me now for what we do for a living. I mean, the justice system is that our country is divided. I don't know how you're going to get 12 people to agree on much because we don't start from the same boilerplate. And I'm worried about big lies. And I applaud Amy Patton. I've heard you do it on other shows because she accepted her defeat, even though she had a lead at one point. And to me, Donald Trump lost substantially. And for him to perpetuate this big ballot lie It's just destructive of democracy. And to me, it bleeds out into all aspects of our life, including your big new job. So you can say, Craig, I don't want to talk about that. This is the collegial environment of Craig's Lawyers Lounge, but you've got a four-year term. Nobody's going to take that away from you. And am I wrong to worry that the Republicans have been captured by Donald Trump? And does that mean you're captured, John? I got a couple things I'd say about Please. that. I mean, first of all, I'd, I'd suggest that I think your concern about people in the justice system, you know, juries, for instance, being able to come to conclusions, you know, accept facts for facts, uh, that's not something I've seen. I mean, I've been practicing for the last, well, about 15 years as a prosecutor, and certainly in the last four years under Donald Trump's administration, that's not something I've seen from jurors where they're not coming from the same place as you said. When you get into court and you're instructed on the law and people tell you, hey, here are the facts, and then you see the people present the facts and you hear them cross-examine, you really get to witness truth in action and then decide the credibility of people and decide what you believe. So that's not a concern I have so much as generally speaking, that there's a degradation. And this is not a necessarily a Republican thing, but I think it's across the board. There's a degradation in public trust in government in general. I mean, you don't have to look too much farther than what we've always seen in terms of Congress's approval ratings as an entity as a whole. And more and more, I think people are losing faith in some of their you know, government officials, people are supposed to be leaders. Some of that has to do with lack of transparency. When you say some of that has to do with lack of transparency, John, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about a lot of things. People are seeing from their government a lot of sort of the end result, what happens after decisions are made. And one of the things for me as a newly elected DA is I want to be as transparent as I possibly can. Of course, you know there's ethical rules that require me as a prosecutor not to pre-try a case in the public, in the media. So there's limitations on the sort of information I can give out. But when I can, to me, it's important that we have this public-facing side of the job where I'm going out and people from my office are going out to the community to explain what we're doing. And hopefully you know, get buy-in and trust in the fact the way we're doing this job 
in their name. You know, and I've said this a lot. When I go into court and you did this back in the day, and I say John Kellner for the people when I enter my appearance, that's something that people that take on this role as a prosecutor feel very passionate about. They want to do the right thing, and they want to do it in a way that represents the community values. So talking about our processes, talking about the good things we're doing, not just, hey, somebody got locked up for X number of years for committing some violent crime. That's just sort of the tip of the iceberg of what we do as prosecutors. There's things like problem-solving courts, like the Veterans Treatment Court that I helped set up. There's things like our diversion program. I think we've got the best juvenile diversion program in the state. But we don't talk about it enough, and people don't know about it. So the more we get out there, the more we talk about these things, I think the greater trust folks in the community are going to have in us. God bless you for saying that. And yes, I took immense pride in representing the people of the state of Colorado. And when I'd rest my case, I'd say it that way. The people of the state of Colorado rest. And it's an awesome thing that state prosecutors have that power. And we can do more for an innocent person or even an arguably innocent person. I expect it's true for you, John, that if somebody in your mind may be innocent, you've got no interest in prosecuting them for sport. All you need is reasonable doubt, and you have plenty of cases. That's the thing about the 18th. You're not hurting for cases. If somebody isn't, in your mind, provably guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, what do you do? Well, then you don't try the case. I mean, you you have to dismiss that case. If you don't think somebody is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, you have no business bringing that case forward to a jury. And I think this is one of those important things that people are starting to learn about prosecutors. And I want to emphasize is it's not about scoring points by, hey, we've convicted X number of people. That has nothing to do with it. Justice is not measured by some particular number. Justice is measured by having a fair process that ensures a fair result, a just result. So, you know, we don't sit around and tell war stories. I'm sure you've got some that have to do with, hey, I took this case where you know, maybe somebody might have been innocent and convicted. And that's a terrible thing. And frankly, that's unethical and it's wrong. It's not the kind of office I'm ever going to run. And certainly nobody that works for me is going to have that sort of mindset. We want to do the right thing for the right reasons. Anyway, America is still a pretty grand place where you have freedom of speech and YouTube. My goodness. I have a presence there, but without video, you don't have much. It's amazing what Luke Craner did on YouTube with the aid of a guy named Lackluster. I want you to listen to the YouTube. You can watch it online. There's a link in the show notes. And you will see the lady we are talking about in this fascinating story this week about road rage and uh, lack of justice for that road rage right here in the 18th Judicial District. This YouTube uh, audio lasts the better part of a half an hour. So I think you'll enjoy it. It's fascinating to watch and good to listen to. Hello. Hi. Deputy Vincent Douglas County, how you doing? Okay. I was in the left-hand lane. In the left-hand lane. I was in the right-hand lane. Driving in the left-hand lane. Coming from where? East. I was east from Holly. East. I was going west. Driving east. Any alcohol for you tonight? No. How many drinks did you have at Los Dos? One. 
skinny, like that much. He backed into me. Did he hit your car or not? He car. backed up into my car. Him backing up at the light and me going forward, we met in the middle. He didn't back up the light, he was stopped. Did you intentionally hit his car? I feel like we were both going forward. Why didn't you stop and exchange information? Look, sweetie, I'm... It's fine. Sir. Welcome back to the Lackluster Channel. Today's story was submitted by a viewer named Luke, who on February 26th of 2022 was driving home when he alleges that a vehicle purposefully rear-ended his brand new truck at a red light after a simple road rage incident. Can you describe the accident to me? What happened? Yes, uh, we were driving home and she was going pretty slow in the left-hand lane and so I passed her and then got in front of her. There was a good probably three cars between us. She stopped behind me about the same distance you and I are here, mm -hmm. started flipping me off, which again, I don't feel like I was that close to her. And then, uh, so I stuck my finger out and flipped her off, which mm -hmm. I get, I probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Then she got, kept creeping closer and closer and closer and then she hit me. I got out of my vehicle to get, to get her uh, license plate and you know, get her information. Then she kept revving her engine and hitting me. Like, like revving her engine while she was behind me. Then I go to the- How many times did she hit your car? I would say three or four. Now, now it's not, it wasn't like backed up and ran in, backed up and ran in. Mm -hmm. It was, she would let off the gas and then go forward, yeah. So I got out and took a video of it. Luke then exits his vehicle to film the woman's license plate. Unfortunately, there is no other footage of the incident, which should serve as a reminder to get yourself a dash cam, especially because the woman fled the scene. Luke began following her while he called 911. 911, what's the address of your emergency? I was rear-ended at a uh, county line in Quebec, and this lady uh, hit and run, and I'm still following her. Did someone in Parker pull her over? Because she's continuing to drive away. We're actually behind a fire truck right now that has their lights and sirens on. I don't know if uh, a cop can go towards them and, and pull her over. And now she's slamming on her brakes trying to get me to hit her. Stopped in the middle of the road. Okay. She's driving like a fucking crazy woman. How about I turn my hazard lights on so they can see me? I'm in a, a 1500 Ram Limited 2022 black, and I'm, I'm right behind her. Police officers were then dispatched to stop the woman. This is going to be for the hit and run that occurred westbound east. County Line Road in Quebec that started in Arapahoe County. RP is continuing to follow the suspect vehicle. We have three deputies that are trying to get over to you, so... Okay. For over 10 minutes, Luke continued to follow the woman. Other than allegedly brake-checking him and failing to maintain her lane, she followed all traffic laws, stopping at stop signs and lights. Finally, officers catch up with them and pull the woman over. After asking Luke what happened, the officers approach the woman, who immediately flashes her police ID card and denies an accident ever occurred. Hello. Hi. Deputy Vincent Douglas County, how you doing? Okay. All that to say is um, he's followed me all the way from 470 mm -hmm. in Quebec. Okay. And he's been... Did you call us? Apparently he did. Okay. I, I did not. How do you know he did? He's been following me since 470. Okay. So he's following you because you were involved in a motor vehicle accident with him and I was didn't not, stop. Not at all. Okay. You see your driver's license, registration, Absolutely. insurance, please? <clears throat> is he behind you? Yes, he is. What does that say to you? He's followed me with his 
brights on and mm -hmm. his blinkers since 470 in Quebec trying to... He's trying to get you to pull over because he believes he was involved in an accident. That's not at all. Okay. I was, real quick, mm -hmm. I was driving down county line. Mm -hmm. He was on my ass. Okay. I was in the right-hand lane mm -hmm. driving perfectly the speed limit. Okay. He pulled right in front of me. Okay. Did, so, and you didn't strike his vehicle? He backed into me. I don't know what that says. Okay. After denying there was a collision, the woman now claims that Luke backed into her and that she left because she didn't feel a need to obtain his information for any possible damages. So after he backed into you, why didn't you stop and exchange information? It wasn't... It wasn't what? I didn't feel like it was... We were needing to exchange information. Okay, find your information for me. <laughs> She now claims that she was headed towards the Parker Police Department where she worked as a victim's advocate. Though the Lone Tree Police Department was just three minutes away from the accident, the Parker Police Department was nearly half an hour away and she had to pass through Arapahoe's district to get there, causing this incident to include four different law enforcement agencies. Her path of travel also seems to indicate that she had no intention of going to a police station as it appears she was circling her own residence. Where did this happen? where he hit your car I you say he hit my car well you in. said he backed into you so I did he not hit your car it was like this what does this mean did he hit your car or not I think we made contact but there was nothing more than I think okay it's, wherever that happened where was it 470 in Quebec okay on 470 or on Quebec which direction were you going I was going west on I was actually going west on County Line West on County Line. I, th I think it's very interesting and somewhat scary that he's followed me this whole way. Okay. Well, he's wait. doing what he's supposed to do after having an accident. So, um, just... Wait. Th Hold on just a second. Sure. He's following me with his blinkers on and his brights on. Yes, ma'am. ID, please. Insurance, please. I think that's very interesting that he, that, that he hits me and you're the one asking for my information. I'll be asking for his information as well. Okay. Where are you coming from tonight? 470 in Quebec. What's over at 470 in Quebec tonight? I'm going to have to show you my, uh, hold on, sorry. What's at 470 in Quebec tonight? <clears throat> I was out with friends. Okay. Any alcohol for you tonight? No. Can I see your Parker ID badge as well, please? Yep. He was actually very frightening, and so I was headed to the Parker Police Department because he was scaring me. Okay, I didn't understand because that. Because he followed me the whole way. Okay. And so I understand how this goes, and so I was trying to remove myself from the situation. Because okay. he got out. Sorry, I'm looking for my he got out of his car and was filming me because he pulled right in front of me. Okay. I'm gonna have to... I'm gonna have a chat with him and then I'll get back with you, okay? A few minutes later, another officer asks for her account of the incident. Her story changes yet again, and she continues to make sure they know she's a victim's advocate for the Parker Police Department, and now admits to drinking. Hi man, my name's Officer Odom, Parker Police Department. 
Hi. Do you mind just running me through what happened again? Um, I'm driving east on County Line. Is that County Line? East on East on County Line. Okay. I feel like I'm driving the speed limit. I was in the left-hand lane. Uh -huh. Hi. Hi. Like I'm a VA for you all. I hate. He's in stuff. training, so I got to stand close and I monitor. I love this. No. <laughs> um, and I appreciate it. And you guys put up with so much. So, um, uh, east, east on County Line, going to uh, towards Quebec. Okay. Uh, driving in the left-hand lane. I feel like I'm driving the speed limit. He's on my ass, right? Mm -hmm. And so he pulls around me, stops immediately. Um, uh, and frankly, I'm afraid because then he gets out of his car and starts taking pictures of me and my car. Um, I don't know what that's about other than, yes, our cars made contact. I feel like he pulled up and made contact with my car. I, I'm like, okay. How, how did he make contact with your car? I feel like he backed up into my car okay. at, at the um, light. Okay. Um, Where were you coming from? Uh, a restaurant with friends, Los Dos Patrios. Okay. How many drinks did you have at Los Dos? One. Okay. What was it? A margarita. Okay. A uh, fine, truly. Right. How big would you say it was? I don't I One. A skinny. Like that much. Over... Four thirty. What time was it at? Four thirty to now. Okay. And you got it when you first got there? Yes. Okay. I'm fine, truly. Right. He scared me. Right. So. Okay, well, I'm going to step back here and talk to them. We're just waiting on Arapahoe to come out and take the, the accident report since it happened in Arapahoe. I think that's so... F okay. Yeah, okay. yeah so it's, it's their jurisdiction. We have... And we, we can't write the report for... And he's frustrated because he's like... I'm sorry. I mean, because the vehicles make contact. And he took a picture of it and he showed you the picture. And there's damage, so we yeah. Have to Who's damage? He's got there's damage. there's damage on his car. May, may I help? See? No, oh, not no, right you now. You need to stay in here. Bit, uh, especially if you're nervous about a fall, you don't think you should really go back there. Uh, but Arapahoe right. County will come out and take it and go. So from let me. What kind of damage? It's minimal paint damage to his bumper from where the video contact shows. So. Right. So you guys have to oh, you're fine. No problem. No, seriously, with stuff like this. We'll so, get paid to do. It's our job. But you should. How old are you? I'm 24. See, yeah. yeah. I'll give you a guess. Not much older than you. 30. 30. Yeah. So I apologize uh, that you all have to do this. Not a problem. No. You don't need to apologize. Yep. No, I not, do. It's not a bother at all. No, it is. It absolutely is. So I apologize. And I'm fine as far as driving. All right. Hey, time for just fuel, okay? We'll get them out of here as soon as they can. We're up. Sometimes a little what slower. It'll be an accident report. And so I have to sit here for an accident report. And what does that mean? Are they going to come to So accidents have to be reported, right? Otherwise, they, it becomes like hit and run charges and all that junk. So, so no, truly, I'm going to ask. I feel like he's, um, yeah, he's trying to prove a point or something. I don't know what's, that's like frustrating, so frustrating. It's two right. very different stories. Like I said, what did he say? The opposite, that like you hit him versus he hit you. Okay. So. And uh, there's like minimal paint damage, and so we're wasting your time. No, it's still an accident. That's what our job is, take those reports. 
part of our policies and procedures. Now, it's not ours tonight because it didn't happen here, but if it had happened here, it would be ours. So we're hanging out just until Rappo gets here, and that's it. I hope so. that um, your time is better spent. I know Every day is different. No, so. and I'm aware. So, so I'll just we'll get them here as quick as they can. Our Rappo's slow sometimes. Those are really bright. I agree. That's why I'm using his body to block them. So. <laughs> and, and maybe you could turn them off? Like, yeah. I, but anywhere. If, if he was one of my guys, car. I would, but he's Douglas County, so I don't know. Who's that guy's the, the guy behind you. So, because you guys went through a portion of Douglas County, so they got alerted. It was just us. But we'll get we'll get them here as soon as they can. They said they're uh, it's a rapo guy. Sometimes they Sorry push back. Not a waste. Both parties filled out their official statements, but the woman was never asked to perform field sobriety tests or submit to a chemical test, despite now changing her story a third time when an officer approaches once again to ask what happened. This time, the officer claims that Luke recorded the incident. With that information, though false, she now claims that they were both traveling forward when they collided and agrees to pay any damages to his vehicle. So you were coming from where? East, I was east from Holly, east to county line, uh, to Quebec, on county line. Okay, coming and from Holly, going to I Quebec. Contact with him mm -hmm. at, um, right at Quebec at the light there. Okay, at, what the happened at the light, or what happened prior to the light? So, truly, I was in the left-hand lane, mm -hmm. speed limit, maybe a little above. It's fine. I'm so sorry. Um, he was right behind me, and I'm very aware of this, whatever. So he, like, pulls around me at the light, it turns red, he stops. That's when we make contact. And he, he stopped, and then that's when you made contact? Yes. Okay. And how did you make contact? We were very close. Why were you so close? Because I think we were going to What's that? We were grumpy at each other, to be honest. Why were you grumpy at each well, other? Well, because he's tailgating me. Uh-huh. And then he pulls right in front of me. And truly, at that point, mm -hmm. then he got out of his car and, like, was videoing us. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I just want to... Okay. You skipped over some stuff down okay. there. So, yeah, uh, he was, was grumpy. Him, you were grumpy. He was backing, tailgating you. And then... Him backing up at the light and me going forward, we met in the middle somewhere. He didn't back up at the light. He's got it all on video. Okay. Well, regardless, he didn't have him tailgating me at light. But regardless, okay. but he didn't back up at the he didn't back up the light. He was stopped. Okay. Well, fine. He didn't also have him tailgating me, but that's so. Fine. Did you intentionally hit his car? No, I did not intentionally. Hit so, how did your car hit his? I feel like we were both going forward. If I need to. If he has damage, I will pay for the damage. Okay. I'm just trying to figure out whether you're going to be cited for traffic offense or for a misdemeanor crime. Oh, a misdemeanor crime? Like mm -hmm. if I intentionally... Yep. I mean, I'm not... That being... would be... That would be uh, um, I'm sorry. It would be damage to property. Okay. I feel like that's not... Because... I, I kind of feel like it is. Really? <laughs> yes, because you repeatedly, intentionally pushed into his car. Okay. I don't feel like it was. I feel like... You know, the context is not there as far as what he provided to the situation. Mm -hmm. um, so, okay, so did he back up or did he not? I feel like he did, but I wasn't taking video of it. So all I know is at one point in front of me, mm -hmm. 
between him coming back and me going up, I mean, what? Why is he videoing at this point? Why would he back his brand new truck up into another car intentionally? Why would he tailgate me? Look, sweetie, I'm. Sweetie, it's fine. Sir, I'm not going to argue this with you. I feel like he and I were both at fault there, and I will own my part of it. Okay. So, whatever you feel like you need to write up, I, this is, there's bigger things in this world to worry about, and so okay. I, I don't want to waste your time. Okay. I feel like he and I are both at fault there. So, um, I know what you guys have to deal with on a daily basis, and this is just ridiculous. And so, okay. you, you feel like. Please do what you feel like you need to do. Okay. Give me just a few minutes. Thank you. She thought you were tailgating her, which is why she flipped you off. Okay. Um, okay. <clears throat> and then you whipped around and got in front of her, and then that's when your vehicle's contacted or whatever okay. the case is. Right. So um, I don't think you backed up into Absolutely her. Absolutely not. Did not. Um, but she is, you know, neither here nor there now at this point as to whether or not you backed up. Okay, so, she's, so she didn't, she said I did, now she's saying I may have, I she may not have. She can't make up her mind. I okay. impressed well, her and, yeah. and lied and said you had a video showing her backing up and she still didn't 100% admit to it. So. Okay. Um, and she couldn't describe it, she didn't say reverse lights came on or anything like that. Okay. So. Now is there any repercussions for her leaving the scene of an accident? Yep, she's going to be cited for leaving the scene of an accident, um, failed to notify police, and careless driving. Oh, so she didn't even call the cops whenever she no. was? Okay, so in this accident, who's at fault? Is it well, she's going to be she's going to be the at fault driver. Oh, perfect. The woman was charged with failure to report, leaving the scene of an accident and careless driving. However, nearly two months later, on April 6th, officers reviewed the incident and the woman was given a new summons with more appropriate charges for reckless driving and criminal mischief, both class two misdemeanors. After a review of the uh, case with my supervisor, um, he believed the charges weren't appropriate, so I'm going to give you a new summons and a new court date, which is going to be June 1st, 8.30 in the morning, Douglas County Court, and that is for reckless driving and criminal mischief for damage $300 to $1,000, okay? Soon after, Luke was made aware that the district attorney's office dismissed all charges against the woman, despite all the evidence. I don't understand how, how she's getting away with, I mean, she, she left the scene of an accident. Um, that she caused um, and I just I still don't understand how she's getting away with leaving the scene of an accident scot-free so when mr. Franklin originally brought this case to me and I took a look at it as well we've got a number of concerns and okay. one of them quite one of them quite frankly is how long you proceed to follow her even after Colorado State Patrol tells you to back off correct um, I'm not saying that her behavior itself was justified in the instance, but we have, you know, a woman driving by herself who leaves. Um, when she talks to police, she talks about she was, quite frankly, worried that something was going to happen. I think that both sides, from what the reports are saying, um, got a little bit overheated. Um, I think it technically fits the letter of the law in terms of, you know, she didn't remain. But when we look at these kinds of cases, we look at kind of the surrounding factors to include why that person didn't remain um, and ultimately kind of what ended up happening. Um, she did not have alcohol indicia when police actually stopped her, or not stopped, contacted her. Um, so we, we had a DUI instance. 
driver of vehicle one is possibly under the influence, but they're going to have to do that investigation. How many drinks did you have at Los Dos? One. A skinny, like that much. Um, quite frankly, we're looking at kind of a road rage issue where um, there is a scenario where we could have charged you as well. Um, and I think that the easiest way was to kind of just... So what would, have, this. what would the charge have been on me? So she's also saying that you backed up into her so we could potentially have had cows driving um, or reckless. I mean, we've got kind of this road rage instance going on. Um, you know, it's just, well, cause whenever, I think it was all very good. Whenever she spoke with insurance, I mean, I, I recorded the phone calls with insurance and insurance said that she said nothing about me backing into her because that's what she told the police officer in the very beginning, but she recanted her story whenever he asked her what she would say if I had, which I didn't have a, a dash cam in my truck, which I do now, because this incident has taught me that lesson that I will absolutely not ever get in this situation ever again. But the officer asked her, well, what if I was to tell you that he had footage of the incident and then she completely recanted her story and backed off because that's absolutely not true. Um, but whenever she spoke with insurance, she admitted that she made contact with my vehicle. She never mentioned to them that I, you know, that I supposedly backed into her. So that that's where it's super frustrating is, is she's, she's changing her story depending on who she's talking to, to benefit her. Um, I hear that, but ultimately if this were to go to trial and quite frankly, any offer we would have made on this would have resulted in trial. Um, we, we would never have succeeded on this case. Um, one, a jury is going to look at it and just say like, yep, we've kind of got both people not acting appropriately, even if they think that like, she's the one that hit you. Um, you know, they're, they're not going to convict on that. And it's just one of those where like, we could either kind of get this handled and resolved right now. Um, or it could be another year of kind of getting, you know, your expectations and your hopes up and things like that. Um, this is just not the kind of case that we proceed on. Okay, so she didn't even get a ticket or anything for the accident? She, um, let's see here. We ended up just straight dismissing because we can't, we can't prove what happened. Like, and even what you're saying about what she told insurance, that's not something that I can actually admit at court. It is claimed that the woman ran because she was scared, but she never called the cops for assistance and stopped at all stop signs and lights. It is also claimed that she didn't have signs of alcohol impairment, though she admitted to drinking and changed her story multiple times. The deputy DA never explained why the reckless charge was dropped, but instead told Luke that because the woman said that two out of three times when she was questioned that Luke backed into her that Luke could also face charges. She's pulling the, I'm scared. I'm a, I'm a female by myself, I'm scared. She had no reason to be afraid. I got out of my vehicle and recorded her continuing to let off the brake and push into my truck. So that's, that's, that's crazy that, that she's, that, that that's gonna be a defense. You know, I mean, so is that a defense I could use if I get in a wreck and I decide to leave the scene that I was afraid? If you call it in, yeah. Did she call the police? Did she call that in? She, she did. Could? Okay, because the officer told me that she never even called the police the whole time. That's why he gave her originally failure to notify police. She ends up reporting it, so. Okay. The deputy DA claimed that the woman reported the accident, but that is false. Evidence shows that she never called the police, unless they failed to issue that recording in Luke's FOIA request, or if she was lying. Did you call us? Apparently he did. Okay. I, I did not. 
it's also concerning that she's an employee of a police department that she chose to go to that's further away instead of going to the nearest police department. She is a Parker VA. What? But again, I guess there's nothing that's going to change your guys' mind to, to pursue anything with her. So, um, so I guess that's I guess that's I, it. Not, and quite frankly, the next time the police tell you to stop following somebody, um, you need to. I mean, we had the license plate number at that point. The police will take over. I, I really am concerned about these kinds of situations escalating, um, and concerned for your safety. So I really ask that you, you take care of yourself. Overall. We see once again a system that works exactly as intended, where the state will rarely pursue its own. This is the first time I've ever heard of charges being dropped because one party was fearful after possibly causing an accident, or because the DA could have charged someone else on scene also. It's certainly fair to suggest that the evidence doesn't show who caused the initial impact, but because you can see in Luke's video, the woman smirking while revving her engine and pushing her car into Luke's after he exited his vehicle, it's fair to say that a jury could easily find her to be guilty, and the optics of the dismissal are questionable. Let me know what you think down below. Was the woman lying? Was she at fault? Should the officers have investigated the possibility of her driving under the influence a bit deeper? Was the dismissal of the case reasonable? I'm very curious how you all view this incident, but to make sure you're never caught in this position, be sure to check out the links below for my dashcam recommendations. As always, thanks for watching. If you have a video you'd like to submit for review, use the link in the description or pinned comment. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the bell notification for future content. And remember to like, share, and comment down below of what you think of this interaction. It really helps the channel. If you enjoy our content, try our other channels, Lackluster Limited for criminal psychology content and The Odd Side for paranormal videos. Shirts and other merchandise are available at the Teespring store. Membership start at just a buck if you'd like to help further support the channel and get a slick lack logo next to your name. I look forward to seeing you in the next video. All links are down below. Michael Bailey, a friend, a lawyer, a sponsor. Tell everybody how you bring peace of mind to their life. So by setting up your estate plan, you know what's going to happen to your stuff when you die. You know where it's going to go, you know who's going to get it. We've got everything in place so we're not running to a court to try to get guardianship and conservatorship as quickly as possible. But then it's an orderly proceeding of things. So, you know, there's already enough chaos with the medical emergency, but the legal part of it and who can make decisions is all outlined. It's all set up. So there's, it's like the, the smooth transition of power. That's cool because you can avoid so many problems by having a medical power of attorney and discussing it with a smart guy like Michael Bailey, because who should have this? It's probably somebody close. Who do you trust most among your children to make that call? These are the hard and good questions that you ask every day, right, Michael? Right, and if you ask them beforehand, when you're not in the middle of a crisis, then when a crisis hits, we're not trying to do crisis management and medical emergency and everything else. We're going, okay, we've got a smooth transition of power here. We've got a smooth who's in charge, and we can have that all flow so that we can focus on 
the care. There are so many things in life that you can fill out a form and save yourself money, save yourself heartache. Some people die out of nowhere quickly, but more often you get sick, you have medical difficulties, so it all goes together. But your system works, it works beautifully. What is the best way to contact you these days? Best way, uh, you can give me a call. My phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. Or you can go online to michaeldailylawllc.com. And there is a an appointment page on my website that you can use. So either way is fine. Thanks, Michael. Road rage is horrible. I mean, anything on the roads is bothersome because our vehicles are so important. And if the roads aren't safe, another drunk driver killed two people, I-25, not far from us. I just had a show called Southeast Denver Dudes. And again, this situation is at Quebec and County Line or Holland County Line, one of those two. Anyway, they were going east toward Parker, which is where this all ended up. And it's sort of our home turf. I like Luke Craner. I believe Luke Craner. I think he's a good family man, just like you, raising two daughters. And I don't know. It just shows you should probably never react to another driver. What about you when you're driving? Do you ever get mad? You know, I've uh, I've tempered that pretty well. I, I never was a road rage guy. I always I was always like, ah, go on in, this and that. In, in fact, just the other day, um, someone kind of ran a stop sign. And, you know, I had a choice to get mad at him and follow him and wag my finger at him or just say, hey, they were busy or, or whatever. It's so much better for all parties concerned to, to just shine it on, you know. Absolutely. Until you start touching cars. Yes. <laughs> and, that's, yeah. and then if you do it intentionally... I heard from George Brockler because I listen and uh, occasionally take in his brand of radio. You know, I'm interested. Just like you being a musician, you're interested in how other people do it. Oh, yes. So I'd like to hear the decisions made by a talk show host because I did that for so long. And I know George Brockler pretty darn well. He was a guest, I think, episode 64. And... I'm really dis, you know, I, I'm disappointed in the direction he's gone, and maybe it's inevitable because of the Trump years. But he's extremely talented, and I always said he is as glib as anybody I've ever heard. Do you think that's a compliment by me? No, no. I, I always meant that as a compliment. Um, dry. Like a dry sense of no, humor but he is has one a, thing. He has a great sense of humor. Yeah. I mean, I mean he, he tries too much. Every line can't be a punchline. Were you ever a class clown? Yeah, but I knew better than to make every line a, a punchline. Right. We call yeah. that Miles Goober, who was really smart, but he went for a joke every open space. Right. And it just wasn't there, Miles. Sorry. I was more selective, and I could make the girls laugh harder than he could. So I fancied myself for my own sense of humor, but I give it to George Brockler. He is funny, and when I always said he's glib, I think I meant it as a compliment, because what does glib mean to you? 
You know, I probably need to look that up, but glib means, I guess it, it means um, uh, unaffected it, 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 to, to my mind. It, it's kind of a dry, but it's like things, um, it's, he's not really uh, impacted by the, the subject matter. See, I would have yeah. thought like quick-witted, smart, clever. But, you know, I looked it up before I talked to you because I never had, I swear to God, before this morning. So who's and it closer? Says, who's closer? You. Okay. Says somebody, it says glib, parentheses, of words or the person speaking them, close parentheses, fluent and voluble, but insincere and shallow. Right. Right. I did not know. Shallow. It's, That's what I meant by the unaffected part. Yeah. He's right. Not, you're, not, you're not feeling it. You're just... Um, you're you're just making quick judgments hmm. with, without much thought behind it. Anyway. Anyway, George Brockler was going on about road rage, and he said because of Polis and Wiser that we are number three in the country in road rage incidents. Now, do you blame yeah. Phil Wiser, our guest last week, for that? I can hardly blame anyone for that. Least of all, our, our, our good governor. No, you're wrong. Because if road rage happens and you catch somebody committing road rage, say you have videos, say you have four eyewitnesses, then if the prosecution just doesn't do anything or gives a slap on the wrist, then you're going to get more road rage. Doesn't that make sense? Maybe. Of course it does. Well, there's uh, new road ragers is my point. Road rage, you can put the people away who did the road rage. There's new ones coming up. I think it's related more to s general stress that people feel in the economy. Right. You know, inflation, um, being in a rush, not having enough help, <clears throat> all those things that, that, that play into people's lives. Right. But it's, road rage is preventable. You just talked about it. You can make a choice. And so... If a woman makes a choice, and I, I showed you the YouTube, this family guy bringing his daughters home from mini golf in our neighborhood, and then a woman gets mad at him because he passes her. She gets on his ass and starts gesturing, and he gestures back, and whoa, she slams into him. Then when he gets out to record it, she slams into him, Again and again with his family inside, getting hurt. They got hurt. Now, I mean, that's ridiculous. Don't you expect local law enforcement to react to that? Absolutely, yes. Especially yeah. if the woman's been drinking. Yeah. And if she lied about her drinking initially, right? I don't know why there were not uh, charges. Well, there should have been tests. Like I don't know yeah. if she was legally drunk or not, but... I, I believe this misconduct, and I do know this, that she told the cop, Luke Craner backed into me. She didn't know his name, but she said the guy in the truck, he caused the damage because he deliberately backed into me in his brand new truck. Can you imagine? The guy's worked all his life. Do you buy new vehicles? You probably do. No, I don't buy new. I, I buy slightly used vehicles. I do too. Yeah. Just because you don't want them to get messed up. And you know that happens. If it's a used car, oh well, stuff happens. But if you've saved, anyway, she bore false witness. That's something that a prosecutor's got to take seriously. There are charges of making a false report to a cop. And then the allegation she pulled out a Parker police ID 
tried to talk her way out of it, which is tough if you've been drinking, which she eventually admitted after she said, no, I've not been. Anyway, it's a pretty good case for a prosecutor, and I kind of know that business. This would be an interesting case with a lot of good evidence and a crime you want to deter. So to have it dismissed and the victim told that, no, you are in the wrong. You are a man, and you scared her. She didn't call the police. Anyway, I know a guy who had an indignity done to a member of his family, his daughter. Anyway, you can react to Luke Craner before we get on to your song, because you wrote about a father who got, you know... Right, who wants to be protective of his daughter. Uh, well, I mean, no, 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 no. Luke and his family, I mean, that was an assault. I mean, and, and I yes. would have, I totally understand him wanting to pursue this. With his 10-year-old yeah. daughter getting yeah. hurt and jostled every time that woman slams into the truck. No, no, no. That's beyond, no, that's beyond a little altercation. That's It's assault, right? I think so. All right. So you had something a little more trivial happen, and whoa, you reacted in the greatest way possible. You wrote a song. So this was about, uh, this. yeah, this was a fellow who had promised my my daughter, Rachel, a, a, a summer job, and then when she came home purposely to to start work, he just never got back with her, and, and uh, she would email him and this and that. There was no response, and so it pissed me off, but you know, I channeled it in the right way. So uh, one one day, I she was outside and, and talking to me about it, and I had my guitar. So I I started the song off as kind of just a little fun thing to make her feel better, um, and then it became a song. A great song, and what a concept as we talk about prosecutors and whether you should be harsh or lenient, because you really can go in either of those directions. And and yet, uh, tarred and feathered, that seems like pretty tough criminal sanction. Are you really like one of those put them in stocks kind of guys? I didn't know you had that authoritarian impulse. Yeah, I'm not sure I knew how just <laughs> the full the full brunt of what tarring and feather was when I wrote the song. I like the I like the image of it. Um, of someone being tarred and feathered and kind of marshaled out of town. It was the it was like at the turn of the what the the probably the 19th century or so, right? right? Um, that's what they would do to people and um, to, to shame them. It was a public shaming. I didn't realize that sometimes their skin came off when they painted the, the oh, hot tar on them. Rough. Yeah, yeah. So, right. so it, it's, it's, it's more of the shaming idea. Um, and that, the stick you <clears> stuff in the feathers, eventually to wash off. Right. It's probably preferable to like uh, the guillotine or definitely that uh, having your hand chopped off. So much better. Yeah. So or even a year in jail. Even Just a year let in me jail. run around with sticky stuff in <laughs> feathers, and I'll do that instead. <laughs> exactly. You know that might be a good punishment and for this road rage, because you know this woman, it wasn't her best. They were not even identifying her, but. I certainly could advocate probation for her or a deferred judgment, whatever, but a dismissal? Wow. Without even any input from the victim? I just think that Luke Craner, he wasn't going to take it, just like you weren't going to take this guy not offering Rachel a job. Now Rachel's a superstar. Do you know what this schlepper's doing? I I don't know. No, he's he, no, I've lost... I never had touch with him, but no, she's doing great on her own now. Did yeah, you ever yeah. send him the song? No. See, that's good. You, but you got your rage out in a different way. Yes. 
Yeah. And it's a beautiful song. I love this style. The other thing about being glib, in the past I would have thought somebody who's quick on their feet. What's a good word for that? I don't know. Because Brockler, my goodness, it'll test you to do radio for three hours or four hours, whatever, every day. And then he does a podcast for the Koch brothers. They call that Common Sense Institute. Then he does voiceover work for a guy, Steve Wells, who's spending $11 million to boost Heidi Ganahl and uh, John Kellner and to call Phil Weiser an idiot. And then he hires Brockler. Now, you put out bids. What would you charge for voiceover work as the main guy for an $11 million campaign? You know, isn't that like when you buy anything and they swing around the the iPad and it says 15%? I mean, if you even get 1% of $11 million. I'd be happy with that. Oh, that's a lot of money. Anyway, George is cashing in. He's cashing in big and... He put on a great hour. You'll hear I sent it to Luke Craner to listen to, and he loved it because he advocated Brockler Den for the toughest possible penalties on road rage. Well, maybe he didn't say that. Just listen to the hour. He was funny. He was glib. But his mentor or mentee, John Kellner, this is the road rage case that he could stamp his name on. Don't commit road rage in the 18th JD. Even if you work for Parker Police, you will be prosecuted. And we will prove it. And you got away with maybe with driving while you're drinking. Okay, but you're not going to get away with the hit and the run and the deliberate hitting of him and his family. And we're not going to tar and feather you. Not going to. Anyway, Troubadour, this is a good talk. Did you follow the... uh, last January 6th hearing? I did. I listened to it yesterday. What were your yeah. thoughts? Well, I thought they did the right thing. The committee did the right thing in, you know, in subpoenaing Trump, uh, sub- subpoenaing Trump. Um, and, uh, and that's, you know, nobody's expecting him to show up. But um, in fact, I was asking you yesterday, I was like, what's What's the purpose of he a subpoena? Show You're up. supposed or, to show up. Or we don't have a rule of law. Nobody's so, above uh, the law. Yeah. He has to show up. Now, he can take the Fifth Amendment, as he's done frequently on these other cases, but you have to show up to do that. Roger Stone showed up. Mike Flynn showed up. They took the Fifth. He should do the same. You know what they're calling Mike Flynn and Roger Stone together? No. The Flintstones. <laughs> I like it. Right, yeah. anyway, it's, it's, it's good. And you can throw some others in, like Rudy and Jenna Ellis and all of that, but there should be some tarring and feathering from uh, the January 6th antics. It's horrible. I'm it looks like that. the Secret yeah. Service and the FBI were possibly in on it. It's, it's all going to come out, don't you think? What do you mean the FBI and Secret Service? Oh, because it's come out that a lot of the FBI were sympathetic to Trump. They had so many warnings about what was going to happen that day. And the Secret Service destroying their records before they can be observed by anybody writing history. I hope eventually these guys talk. But look, MAGA has really infected the law enforcement world. I know a little about this. And part of it is... That defund the police and all pigs are bastards or all whatever. Yeah. It, it's offensive and cops will naturally rebel against the left 
and glom onto the guy from the MAGA world who says, I love you. Now, when January 6th happened and 140 cops got hurt, you would think that a lot of them would wise up, and maybe people in the FBI did. Well, I thought the FBI was already put off by Trump. I mean, he had he had already, you know, uh, rejected their intelligence, and well, it was probably more CIA. But anyway, our security, the security, the Homeland Security, FBI, CIA. I don't think Trump was friends with them. They were he he had he had he, you know he had uh, I think he had insulted them any number of times. Top echelon people, top echelon. I'm telling you that MAGA has infected law enforcement. It's designed that way. Lot, not that many Democrats really say, hey, I want to work for the FBI or I want to join the Denver police. Think about it. It takes people who are already leaning toward law enforcement, law and order, and that's good. But let's face reality that MAGA has targeted these people and it's a problem. Amber McReynolds talked about it on a recent show, and I'm talking about it now. That's what makes me worry. You know, John Kellner, he has a good reputation. I've talked to people who knew him in Boulder, and my interactions with him were good. But if you'll give in to the MAGA world at all, I do not want you as a chief law enforcement officer. And MAGA infecting law enforcement, can you see the problem, Troubadour? Well, I, I, I see that it could be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Especially right. as things fall apart. And don't you think the part of the plan was that law enforcement will join in on this insurrection slash coup that uh, Trump was going to pull off on January 6th? I do not. I do not see that as linked at all. No. This is the far right uh, contingency, the conspiracy theorists. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think there's any evidence. I didn't hear anything about that. Well, the Oath Keepers are on trial right now. Right. For how many ten, of them are cops? In Colorado, I think they identified 90-some, and, and some sheriffs, too. Right. But I okay, think all over might the country, the Oath Keepers, Oath Keepers just target ex-military and cops. That's what they do. That's right. why they are the Oath Keepers. Right, but I think and there were. Do you know? Do you know what percentage of 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 police who retired police or military were in that January sixth crowd? But you know, but I don't. But but it was a large percentage. Let's not ignore it. These are people who stand by, who have devoted their career, their lives to concept of the rule of law. That's what they're. That's what they're. That's what their daily activity every day is involved. Is is you know. Meant to ensure that the law will 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 uh, that 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 the law will be abided by. Otherwise, there's going to be a consequence, right? I think a lot of them have no respect for Trump, no right. respect for him I, because I mean, he's, lot, he sees yes, himself but above others that. Others do. If you uh, go up do. to uh, hmm. Northern Colorado, Weld County, Steve Reams, he's right there with all this mega world. Who's that madman from Michigan? That Ted Nugent. He has him out. That guy says hateful things. He's part of the MAGA world. Sure, yeah. Doesn't that give you concerns about law enforcement up there? Well, 
I don't think much about it, what the law enforcement right. is up there. But Don't think about but, it much. Isn't that a Dave Gunder song? It is. Mr. Oblivious? <laughs> now, maybe I think about it too much. But tarred yeah. and feathered, I have thought about a lot of criminal justice issues, but I've never thought about tarring and feathering till your song. <laughs> well, you'll think about it now. It's a fun, fun song. Listen, because the words apply beautifully to... All sorts of modern situations. Enjoy Tarred and Feathered by our troubadour, Dave Gunders. Thanks, troubadour. Thanks, Craig. Hey there, mister. You promised my daughter position in your company Just a summer job, you see But she counted on that She counted on you But you never get back What she's supposed to do
Michael, of course, is a great sponsor of my show, but more than that, he's my lawyer, my end-of-life planning lawyer, and I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. So I will write pet trusts, which is you can earmark money to take care of your pets. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they've got their dogs and you know, they love their dogs. But then if somebody were to, you know, if, you're, if you were to pass away, you know, who's going to take your dogs? Who would, who would love your dogs as much as you do? I don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do. But like I grew up with dogs. And so if I were to pass away, then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs. So when you set up a pet trust, you can dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. You have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It's, it is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and you know meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer. You will come to them. Yep, and I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887, or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book and appointment link on this on the website. All right, Michael Bailey, thank you. Hey, I have some exciting news. I am starting my brand new law firm. It's Attitude, mine. The legal skills, mine. The support staff, incredible. Find us online soon at craigscoloradolaw.com. Find me right now on Twitter at Craig's Colorado. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. So there we go. That's our show. Thanks, Troubadour Dave Gunders. Tart and feather. Oh, I like that. Especially when you talk about getting the ointment. I don't really believe in authoritarian, punitive, capital punishment. Here I am, I decide capital punishment, but I guess I mean corporal punishment. You can't tar and feather people. You really shouldn't stoop to that level, although we incarcerate people and... Isn't that at the heart of the problem? Our jails don't work that great. People learn how to be worse criminals. We need to isolate people who really hurt others. We need to sanction road rage, and there are so many worse crimes. And we need to isolate some people and others. We give second chances. But how many? That's part of the good debate between Kellner and Weiser. We want to be part of that debate. It's important for those of us in Colorado Please do read my latest column in the Colorado Sun about the AG's race and what it takes to be well-qualified. It's a pleasure to be on with you every Saturday. I got to go watch that Herschel Walker-Warnock debate now. My God, it's getting good. Did you read Trump's response to the subpoena saying it's all a hoax, a witch hunt, like impeachment one, impeachment two? Give me a break. That's why I have trouble backing anybody who doesn't call out that 
bullshit. Thank you, Luke Craner, for being the star of this week's episode. Until next time, have a great week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.